Stories Podcast, your number one show for everything guitar. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Guitar Stories Podcast. We're back. It is week number, is it three of the live streaming, Dan? Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, three. Three. Yeah, yeah my yeah. goodness. Welcome, Episode everybody, three. on YouTube. Welcome, everybody that's in the chat right now. And also, welcome to everyone who's listening on the podcast. Good to have you back. Yeah. So wherever you are listening, I uh, hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying sane because I haven't been this week. I've been going absolutely nuts, Dan. It's uh, I know. I'm... It's been a it's been a tough week this week. Uh, we're on lockdown back again in Austria, and um, I've been looking forward to this podcast all week since uh, since we podcasted last week. In fact, <laughs> <laughs> last week was an interesting one, wasn't it? Oh yeah. So more more technical difficulties, but now we are pretty much like yeah. Uh, good. If anyone if anyone's stuff. an OBS user, there are so many ways in which I can screw this up that I found many of them, uh, and I'm slowly getting to the bugs of me learning how to do it. Um. So welcome everybody in the chat. I'm going to say a quick few names, shout out. Then we're going to get on with the the topics of the week, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, if you say anything interesting, of course, we'll, we'll shout at that. So I'm going to say hello to um, three people. Then, then Dan, you want to say hello to three people? So we, you know, choose your three favorites. All right. I'm going to say hello, <laughs> hello uh, to Max Solo Music. Welcome, welcome. Um, I'm going to say hello to Get Jervis, Mr. Jason Jervis of the country of Wales. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And I'm going to say welcome to... I can't choose between Valeria, Sarang, and Mikhail. So there's three in one. <laughs> Boom, you did. All right, then uh, I'll say hello to one of the premier guests, like the first time visitor, um, Philip Kowalski. First time viewer. Hello. Yeah, first time viewer. Um, who else? Michael Lerner. Some last minute IKEA shopping. So he's been following your, your Instagram, obviously. Hello, Michael. Uh, who else is there? Jason, hey Jason, good to have you. What do you say? When I try to use OBS, I always get things screwed up. Yeah, well, our story in one sentence. Yeah. But we made it and it's good. Yeah. And um, of course, Poonindja's in the chat, but, uh, you know, that doesn't need to be shouted out. That doesn't count as either one of us. You know, that's, that's a standard. It's so welcome to have you, Poo. Um, Dan's got a new webcam this week, haven't you, Dan? <laughs> There's a lovely webcam. That's eh? what Dan really looks like. It's actually Andy's. I sent it to him. I let him borrow it. Yeah, yeah. And then I found out that no, my daughter I'm... needed it for online ballet lessons. So I'm in, <laughs> so I'm in trouble. <laughs> um, guitars, Dan. I imagine which... your daughter is sitting there, like, oh, mate, crying. Mate, yeah. No, I just managed to put, you know, my. I, I sorted it in the end. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wizard. Nobody knows more about OBS tech than me. <laughs> oh man there are three jasons in the chat just uh there we go dan have you had a good week sir yeah quite good i spent my weekend like uh doing construction works in the house so uh no guitars for me just cables and uh concrete and wood works arr, arr, arr. Har, har, har. So home improvement, but actually the house is, is currently almost empty. It's just like the basic structure, and now we're trying to make it nice and, and clean and everything. So, so you're just yeah. trying to do your, takes... your man cave is what you're saying, really? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the, the rest is most just important. like the icing on the cake. Yeah, the man cave is like the hard, the hard of man the cave. Yeah. Mattress on the floor for the kids. Uh, microwave. That's it. That's all you need. Thank oh, you. And a working, working <laughs> toilet. Maybe that would be useful. <laughs> with toilet paper by the way are there any uh, shortages of toilet paper in austria at the moment not that i know of uh, i will keep you updated on that i have uh, the hashtag toilet paper shortage alert in austria on my phone okay. and if it if it starts screaming then i may have to go a little early today um <laughs> yeah. uh, awesome all right all right dan um Let's do some news. Oh, yes, it worked. Now, oh, Dan's gone big again. We had this issue last week. As soon as I change something, Dan will go massive. Now, if I make Dan smaller, <laughs> Dan will, of course, go really small. But hang on a minute. Yeah. Behave, That's Dan. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. There we go. Just play around with me and my feelings. I'll put you over there, look. Hello, there he is. <laughs> um, we, we didn't really do much gear stuff last week because uh, I was panicking on the tech side, but there has been some new releases. One thing we didn't talk about last week, which we should have, was the uh, the Generator 3 from uh, from Rev, the new new RevAmp Mark Three. Is that what they're calling it? Yeah. You've got the name right, yeah, yeah. what's the name? Like the Mark III, Mark the three. generator, Mark III. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks good. Um, I'm hoping to get one in the studio at some point to add to my long list of videos that I need to shoot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it looks, I mean, it's a rev amp. So without sort of judging it before I even touched it, then it's got to be pretty good because, you know, I don't believe Rev would release anything that's rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Have you got much experience with Rev? Not at all. That's why I was so intrigued. Um, I mean, the specs, they phew, brutal. I mean, they packed so much stuff in there. Mm. And I only I only hear like the most positive statements about the ref amps. Um, so I definitely got to got to check that one out. And um, the price is something that, that I was surprised it's, it clocks in at two two point seven K, I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So uh, considering all the features, it's not too much. Um, I mean, yeah, it's loaded. It's like two pages of, of, of specs. When it comes to Rev so. as, a, as a company and a, a, a level of quality, all I have to tell you is that Chris Barocci has one and plays one as his main rig. Well, there you go. You know, <laughs> that's all you need to know on that yeah, subject. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, speaking, like speaking of amps, Dan, do you want to do you want to talk about the amp that was released that we know a little bit about? A little bit, yeah. Here it is. The new Mesa Boogie Arr, rectifier. Look at that. That's hot. Oh, yes. Uh, that does things to my um, nether regions, to my Netherlands, that it probably shouldn't for an amp. <laughs> um, to the Badlands. I was talking to Jamie Humphreys today, and he <laughs> has one, and he's had one for a while, and he's not being able to share any information with me, as if you know he can't trust me. But finally, he called me on um, <laughs> on my phone with, I think it was WhatsApp or something, and he said, listen to this. And um, I heard the rectifier being played through the iPhone mic and then through my iPhone speaker. <laughs> so <laughs> I can tell you that with those audio qualities, it sounded flipping amazing. That's very good. 
It sounded really Actually, good. There, there's a there's a very good uh, product demo already. I mean, Boogie is just stellar when it comes to to those videos. It's always so spot on, and the sound is so good. So there's no doubt that uh, when they release a video about the new M that shows all the tonal variances, yeah. it's it's just going to be gorgeous. And again, they nailed it. What I find remarkable is that, uh, like two things. First of all, the whole appearance, like Boogie is kind of revamped. Mm -hmm. They they kind of present themselves a little bit more modernized, a little bit more like, I don't know, like more modern, more digital age. You know, it's it's still a tube amp, but the whole appearance is uh, is more modern. And it's also represented in the the size of the amp. I mean, it's a rather small rectifier. It's not one of those flagship kind of amps that you can hardly carry around. And uh, also, I found it interesting that it's the first rectifier using EL34s Yeah. per default. Uh, and I, I never got that. Personally, I'm an EL34 guy. So I own a Lone Star, for instance. And the first thing I did was sw swapping those 6L6s against EL34s because the tone was just better. Rah, rah, rah. From my point of view, mm -hmm. it's just like you know, comparing those. And I, I had the I had the chance to compare those A and B. It was just like good and and much much better. And uh, so I can I can totally see why they went for the I don't know more more British more I don't know what, how you would describe it. Just just it's a different flavor. It's a more like British flavor basically in tone. So uh, it's interesting to see that. I, I it's what do you I haven't found um, like the most important part for me was the tech that's inside it. That's it's sort of up to date, so it's got two cab clones in it, or it's got mm -hmm. a cab clone where you can have two different IRs, um, so a different mm -hmm. IR on each channel. So, um, and this is this is coming from what Jamie told me, and he has he has one, you know, he was there with it, and mm -hmm. um, I've seen a little bit of Ola England's video, and Jamie's um, now added it to his. If I was to tour rig, then this would be the amp that he's taking with him. Um, <laughs> He really, really favors the cab clone and really favors the tech that's in, in the app. What I like what Mesa have done is they've included uh, tech, you know, so XLR outs and stuff that you can play without any any speakers, but they've kept it quite simple. Um, and I'm a, I'm a real big fan of two-note stuff. I, I have the, the Captor X, the Cab M, the, the two-notes um, live. What's it called? Yeah, the, the tor Torpedo live. Whoopsie daisy. And... Um, <laughs> I love the the tweakability, but I only ever kind of use three presets, you know, or, or maybe a fourth. And mm -hmm. it's just I need very little in my rig. I like to keep it constant for the channel. And what I like yeah. about the, the cab clone is that it is extremely simple, um, which of course you 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 sacrifice um, tweakability, but you gain simplicity. And I love limitations when it comes to things like this, because. I've spent many an evening tweaking the tiniest little thing <laughs> that I didn't understand. You know, uh, I, I understand more these days. I'm learning every time I turn something on. But, um, you know, it, we've proven tonight with the podcast now being on OBS. I think if it was the simpler something is, the less chance something's going to go wrong. And therefore, you can concentrate on actually playing guitar, actually listening to the tone uh, and your performance, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Sarang is in the chat saying it wasn't wasn't it eight IRs. Um, I think there's a selection of eight IRs that you can use, but you can have one on each channel, so it's independent. So you could have the same cab, um, say a four by twelve on each uh, each channel, or you could have a four by twelve on one channel and a two by twelve on the other. Um, I don't know what the actual connections are. 
the price, Dan. Have you, have you heard about the price? Mm, not yet. Do you guys know already? I do, but I don't know if I'm allowed to announce it because I haven't seen the price announced anywhere, and I don't want to. I don't want to get. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Um, but what I will say is, it's not as expensive as I thought it would be. Um, wow, in, that sounds promising. In the sense that I think I've heard it, albeit via an iPhone speaker um, and an iPhone <laughs> microphone, but. Um, yeah. But I saw the smile on my friend's face, and um, if he's happy, then it's it's good. And um, when he told me the price, well, when he when he sort of dealt somewhere near the price of what it might be, um, I was very very surprised. It's cheaper than the Rev. Let's put it that way. All right. Well, that's that puts it in perspective. They might they might still have to like uh, figure out what the final price will be because with all you know the stuff that's going on exchange rate and Brexit and all that stuff you got to be pretty careful how to how to price your new products in order not to overprice or outprice yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who knows? But uh, yeah. <laughs> Michael Michael says I just uh, I suggest a lot of more money in Europe compared to the US. That might actually not be the case because uh, Boogie is now distributing themselves in Europe. So there's no distributor cut anymore. So when they are smart, they probably, you know, price themselves more competitive, and are not like charging almost two k for a four by twelve rectifier cap. I think they're yeah. going to kind of need to price it um, in a. I want to say cheap. I want to say lower than you like you pay for a Lone Star. L lower than Mesa is renowned for, because it's it mm -hmm. feels like a kind of gateway drug. You know, like okay. <laughs> Here's this new rectifier. What do the other ones sound like? And then you know, someone who may never have have bought a Mesa might might go into them. Mm, yeah, I mean, the the to be fair, I mean, even even if we talk about the four by twelve cabinet at two K, I mean, that's an insane price. But the build quality for those boogies, it's still spot on. And uh, you know, having dealt with boogie for quite some time, so when we were distributing them. Um, I heard a lot of stories about artists from other brands that I'm not going to mention that had to like bring their cabinets to carpenters and, and have them fixed after tours or even prior to tours. And with the boogie stuff, you just ship it out. You know, when, when Rammstein called, I think one night in, in, in Paris, uh, something blew up and we had to ship something immediately so they could do the, the, the next show two or three days after that. And we shipped it, they got it and it worked. So, and this is something that I that I highly value. If you just you know, if you have products and if you've got gear that is so reliable, you can just basically take it off the wall or take it out of the the warehouse, and it will just be, you know, it will just work and it will be there for you. Yeah. And unfortunately, for for a lot of cabinets from let's say more affordable brands, sometimes that isn't the case. I'm not saying they are bad, but they are probably more designed to fit like the the bedroom warrior and and the, the player who's who's rehearsing and using that on smaller gigs, not necessarily ones that play like longer tours or even big stadiums. So boogies are really pro tools. Yeah. You just um, you might want to pick up that name that you dropped. Ramstein called. <laughs> Ramstein called. Not, not, not Ramstein. Ramstein's tech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like damn. We're in trouble. Dan, yeah, super Dan yeah. to the rescue. Yeah, no, not really. Rammstein cannot like... function without Dan. You heard it here. <laughs> You're like the fifth member of Rammstein? How many members are no, in Rammstein? Oh, come on. Give me a break. No, 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 no. <laughs> that was like, 
No, but they they are very picky when it comes to their gear. I mean, sure uh, they are. Richard, for instance, Richard, for instance, he's got so many amps, but he like boogies. They are part like a main part of his sound, and uh, that's definitely for a reason. So uh, yeah, when they call, <laughs> you you leave everything, you put everything aside, and you just make sure that it's happening. Yeah. All right. Um, apparently, we've All got right. some people in the chat listening from the beginning of the podcast because they can't hear you, but. Dan does come in and we can hear him currently, you know, so, um, yeah, I don't know who I'm talking to there, possibly inventing a time machine halfway through. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's, um, let's take that. Let's see if I can figure out how to get rid of that picture. There we go. And then, um, this is super interesting for me. And what is that? It's a, that's the question, Daniel. Nobody, well, Daniel. a very small amount of people know. All right. Who would that be? Um, not me. <laughs> so I know, obviously, some of the guys at Boss know, I hope. Um, Hello, Guillaume, by the way. Oh. <laughs> you just spoiled it. Oh, the Waza Faz. Um, well, it, it's silver. Um, oh, my goodness. Dan, we've had a super chat from Alex Vanderpass. Alex, thank you so, so much. Um, I will put that towards... Um, Oh, I don't know, that boss pedal, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to, this is the FZ2. All right. Um, which is a silver mm -hmm. and a very classic boss pedal, which we'll be talking about a little bit later in the show. But mm -hmm. as it's silver and very, very good. Like this, the story behind the FZ2 is like it's it's one of those pedals that um, is quite expensive now. So I think I paid like 250 euros for this or 200 at least. Um, That's a lot of coffee. A coffee lot of coffee money. money. So, you know, keep those super chats coming, Alex. We need another 19 of those babies. And um, <laughs> it, but it, it, it lives up to the hype as a fuzz fanatic. It is amazing. Um. However, they've boss have kind of said it is not that. That's people's main guess. The F said to Wazacraft, which would be a a good idea because the 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 F said five is not uh, five or three. The other ones are not as good. This is the this is the motherload. This is the one you want. If they did no. a has it has it ever has it ever been like a Waza version of the of the fuzz already? No, no. So that will be a first. That would be a first. Um, All right. So people have been asking for also the HM2 uh, have a mighty distortion that what people have been asking for that for I think as long as the the metal zone. Um, Boss have neither denied nor confirmed it, but they said it's something they've never done, never done before. Or let me get the quote. Um, uh, like nothing we've ever created before is what Boss said. So. Hmm. I mean, is that just marketing blah blah, or is that something that we can? I don't, I don't, I don't see Boss as a company that does marketing blah blah because they're kind of like understated, if anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I'd yeah. expect that from certain brands where they, you know, but Boss is such a small company that um, I, I, I don't. I'd be surprised if it isn't something extra, extra special. Did you just say boss is such a small company? <laughs> in terms of in terms of people that work at the company, people probably think there's thousands of people that work at Boss and there isn't. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Um yeah. 
not in terms of it's a tiny little mum and pop show shop you know that uh just <laughs> sells a few pedals out of japan <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Boss both soldering, hand soldering their pedals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Drinking coffee from their mug that say, I am the boss. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, yeah. Oh, Alex, I'm also not a fuzz guy, but but Andy is like Mr. Fuzz. You know? I got the hair. When, yeah, he's got the hair. And also when at night, he you know, he wears his costume. He's Mr. Fuzz. I am. Yeah. Fuzz, yeah, fuzz guy. So, yeah, <laughs> the fuzz guy. Nice. So, yeah, sorry. Basically, um, but, but what's so, the bottom, what's the bottom line about the Wazacraft pedals? Bottom so line is, yeah, there's a few people be. that claim to know, um, but no one's no one's leaked anything as far as I know. I'm super excited because um, maybe I'll get one in the studio. You know, um, I haven't spoken to Boss about it at all. Um, I'm still working on some other stuff for Boss in the background. Um, but any Wazacraft pedal is interesting as long as it's not another tuner because that was damn silly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, I don't know. But uh, people in the chat, does anyone hazard a guess of what that Wazacraft pedal may be? Because I'm super, super interested in, in what you might think it is. Um, what haven't Boss done, Dan? Like, if they've, something they've never done before. <laughs> I really can't tell. I, I, I have no, no, idea. no clue. I have no idea. Max, Max is stating he, he he doesn't think it's a fuzz. Max, what do you think it will be? Any guesses? Yeah, I don't think it's a kettle. I don't want to know what you what it isn't. What is it? <laughs> Sorry. I think it's a stump box. All right, uh, I'm going to do a very, something very special now, Dan. Uh, it may or may never happen ever again, but we're going to talk about bass guitars. I apologize. Why? I apologize. We're talking about basses because Mikhail has accused us of being bassist. And, we are bassist. Uh, we are bassist, yeah. Uh, I can't get rid of the boss thing. There it is. Um, there we go. There, there's a bass. In fact, there's two. That's the newly released Harley Benton MB4 and MB5. <laughs> I was about to ask if it's a new Stingray from Music Man. All right. Well, I see some similarities. Yeah, I, I can see how you got there. Yeah. It's, it's a super wild guess. <laughs> see how you got there. Um, but the finish looks super nice. What is that? Is it a matte finish? Yeah, it's a, it's like a matte black. I've not touched one, but it certainly looks matte black. In fact, if I bring up this, I think I've got another picture. Um, where is it? There we go. And I'll move that down a All little right. bit just to cover the chat there. Yeah. Um, do you know the price of that, Dan? Nope. Do you want to ha do, do you hazard a guess? Do you want to hazard a guess on the price of that? Well, first I need to spec. So what's, what's the pickup? Is that Roswell? Uh, it will be a Roswell pick? pickup. Yeah. Or, or at All least, right. um, it's not a, uh, Seymour Duncan or anything. They, they've, you know, they've not thrown in anything super special in there. Uh, All right, let's make it a game. Like, throw, uh, throw a couple of specs at me. Okay, I'm trying. I'm trying. Okay, um, it's a bolt-on neck. All right, fair enough. Lightweight basswood body. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maple neck as well with a rose acer fingerboard and twenty-one frets. Four machine heads. Or What's five. a fingerboard? Sorry, sorry. Ro the fingerboard. Rose acer. A, um, 
Is it is that like a rich light kind of equivalent? Um, no, I've, I've I should know the answer to that, Dan. Um, Rosacea is um, it is um, it should be no blah 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 blah. I don't know. I can't remember. But it is. Do you guys know what's what's that material? It sounds somewhat arti artificial to me, like rosewood equivalent. If I would take a wild guess, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. It could be Rosakar. Rosakar? That sounds like a place in Austria. Yeah, I, I, I think I got drunk there one night. Right behind Andy's house. <laughs> if you go out of the door, take a sharp left straight down the hall, and then take a sharp right, then you're there. Don't forget your, your schnitzel. <laughs> All right. What? what... <laughs> All right, I'm tiny again. That's good. Oh, great. Tiny Dan. Um, yeah. Someone, right, well, someone's um, postulating that it could be. Uh, oh, isn't it baked? Something like baked maple. Nah. I, I think it's baked. Uh, I remember doing a, a review of something, and it's, it's made. Why would they, why would they like call it? Close to rosewood when it's actually baked maple. I don't know. Ah, no, no. I don't know. Actually, uh, let me let me take guess about the price. Maybe it's. Two thirty nine. Nope. What's the price? Keep guessing because I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, if it's roasted maple, it would definitely like more going towards the three hundred euros uh, direction, because that is uh, that's expensive. But I don't think it will be like roasted maple or something like that. Okay. I so ignore I, ignore the roasted maple. A, ignore the roasted maple thing. Yeah. That's that's throwing you off seriously. Yeah, yeah. So, like, assuming it's a f kind of rosewood equivalent for the fretboard, a bolt-on maple neck with a you said basewood body. Yeah. Yeah, two fifty ish. Uh, four string is one twenty nine. The five string is one thirty nine. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. So, if you had a three string, it would be one nineteen. Judging by that. <laughs> uh, two string would be one oh nine. Ninety nine. You get a one string. Brilliant. There you go. I only have a. No, don't say that. <laughs> so, yeah, um, let's go to Michiel in the chat. Michiel guessed at 159. That's a good guess. Michiel, our resident bass uh, expert with all our bass needs. What do you think of that? Um, and anybody else, of course, as well can also jump in on that. 129, 139 for a, um, a guitar that looks like a Stingray. <laughs> Sorry, a bass guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, if you're if you're on the market for a inexpensive guitar, you probably ain't gonna go wrong. One of the main points of criticism when it comes to the Harley Bentons would probably be the the rosewood uh, rosewood pickups, but uh, I've never touched a bass from Harley Benton, so uh, I I couldn't say for sure. No. I have touched a few basses from Harley Benton, as you'd probably guess. I'm just trying to make you big again, Dan. Um, All right, and and great again, and and great again. Of course, uh, even the 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 PB seventy five, I think, is the name, uh, the cheapest P base. Um, that's good. Uh, it's not even good for seventy for for the price. It's good, you know. Um, if you ever want to check out Harley Benton bases, uh, the person to go to at the moment is Patrick Hunter, and I'm hope that uh, Michiel doesn't mind me saying that. Patrick Hunter is the man to go for to for Harley Benton bases. He rocks them left, right, up, down, B A B A start. I'm I still can't make you big because I've locked it. Right. No worries. 
Um, no worries. You'll probably go back to being um, slightly, slightly bigger in a minute. Anyway, oh, no, I've moved you. The power, the power, Dan, the power I have. There we go. Oh, there's an interesting uh, thing. Max Max Solo says he disagrees on the Roswell. Uh, totally fine with that because uh, pickups are completely subjective. I'm not the biggest fan of, let's say, the Hyperions on the AZs too. So they're good pickups. They're versatile, but it's not my personal taste. So I'm totally fine with that. But the point I was making that whenever I tried to Roswell pickups, that was probably the weakest spot of the instrument when i played it like construction was rock solid and hardware was good but the roswell pickups would, would probably been like the first thing that i would have touched and replaced that was basically what i was wanting to say with that no generalization i i i agree with what you said about the pickups i disagree with what you said about it being the biggest thing the biggest thing with harley benton is quality control well i don't have too much experience with that um, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, you know, uh, at that price, you do sacrifice, as with any brand, including all other brands in that price range that I can think of, really. You sometimes, I'm not saying you sacrifice quality control, but uh, you will get a few lemons, you know, because you can't check everything. Um, then, of course, I agree with you on the pickups for sound. Hardware is normally good, um, and strings are good. Strings are really good. So I think that's a, a solid base. I, I might take a look at that one. Mm -hmm. All right. Why are we talking about bass? Enough bass talk. I don't know. I don't know. We spent already too much time. Yeah. How, do you, how do you feel about? I, I don't want to like put you on the spot, but how do you feel about like the whole, like the whole one-on-one -on -one copy thing? Is that something where you feel a bit like weird of like playing a copy of a bass where there is already a budget version available, or is it something that you don't mind? It's a good question. Um, I mean, it's maybe a question for for life uh, life crowd as well. So is that what's the uh, question? Refra what's the question? What is the question? The question is like, how do you feel about playing a copy? Let's say a copy of a copy, because it's basically a knockoff of a U.S. version, and there is already a budget version. So yeah, yeah. Is that something you don't mind, or I don't know? <sighs> Again, I, I I my gut says I don't really have a have a problem with that. Um, but I, I feel like I should, you know. Um, I'm also trying to move you around in the chat. Um, sorry. I think that. I mean, I, I have a, a Squire Classic Vibe P bass that that covers most of the things I need. Um, I've recently learned that that's not the case anymore, so I am looking at another bass for the studio. But certainly for there 129, the yeah, there goes the money. <laughs> um, I actually think, and Henning turned me on to this, you should spend more money on a bass than you should on a guitar. Mm -hmm. Because Interesting point. And his reason, I'm, I haven't really thought about it, maybe we could bring it into the chat, see what the, the guys in the chat think, but um, I'm pretty sure Henning and McKeel were having this conversation, in fact, that um, a guitar covers a narrower range of frequencies than a bass. If you think of bass notes and then popping and slapping it would make sense that i don't know if that's true but i can say is that i have as we counted last week 19 guitars in this room sorry 18 <laughs> guitars and sorry 17 guitars in this room one bass six and two bass guitars and the bass guitars are the cheapest guitars in this room 
or at least one of the cheapest, you know? And and I've only got hmm. one, two, two bases. Surely I could afford to offload a few guitars and get a decent bass. And if Fair that enough. were the case, right. I wouldn't have an issue playing a copy of a copy. I might have an issue playing on stage if I was in a professional band. Is that an answer? That's an answer. That's my yep. that's my final answer. Yep. yep. Gotcha. Guillaume is here. What else do we have to say? Guillaume's here. Yeah. He just says every guitar shape is a copy of a copy at this point. True. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Absolutely true. Or not. Um, we've got a pedal. Uh, <laughs> a pedal, which is how I say pedal, because that's how Guillaume says it. A pedal. <laughs> the Hydra from Keeley. Ooh. That would probably go well with the Echo. Look at all those sockets. Yes. I mean, I only, I only need two. In and out. Sometimes only out. Yeah. Uh, tremolo and reverb in one. So that is certainly um, interesting in the sense that one of my favorite pedals, uh, Guillaume will agree with me, is the Flint from Strymon. It's just absolutely uh, will always be on my pedal board until something knocks it off, of course. But currently, I could not do without the Flint. Um, mm -hmm. It's just brilliant. So I'd be really interested to hear the Hydra against the, the Flint. Oh, small Dan's back. And oh, really small Dan. <laughs> and um, I get the feeling the Hydra is um, Dan's back to normal. I get the feeling the Hydra is a bit more experimental, whereas the Flint is sort of uh, a piece of gear that is more studio oriented, you know, sort of more reliable. It's reverb uh -huh. and a, it's got models of it on it. The Hydra appears mm -hmm. to be more experimental, more weird, should I say. All right. So, boy, because we've been we've been uh, going over that topic last week. So, do you think the hydro will also be like a very good live pedal to to create those kind of ambient-ish sounds? Let's say the Guillaume uh, living room sounds. Huh. Uh, I mean, Guillaume's <laughs> in the chat. He could probably answer that a lot better than I can. Um, and I haven't played the pedal, but looking at it, it's got an expression pedal in. It's stereo um, and mono outs, of course. Tap tempo. So there's stuff in there that you need for live use, such as mm -hmm. the you know tap tempo is extremely useful on that. Um, I'm not sure if the Flint has tap tempo. I don't know. Um, I've never used it because it's it's just always you know I like I like um, just sitting it at the back. It's always there in my effects loop. Um, Speaking of what 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 is your like if you if you can give us a, a super quick rundown, what is the uh, signal chain that you currently use? Um, I currently have a, I've got, it's a bit fiddly, but at the moment I'm running the, uh, Strobo Stomp HD from Peterson for my, for my tuning needs. Uh -huh. I've got a Rev Excellent. G3 for my high gain. I've got a Messiah drive, which is a Plexistar pedal from Cheftone Effects. I've got the Antares from Tate Effects as my low gain. Mm -hmm. Uh, then an effects loop, I always run the Flint. Uh, mostly just the reverb, but sometimes the trem if, I, if I'm going a bit more vintage. And then I also use an ethereal from uh, from Wampler for something a bit crazier. Um, that will be changing soon because I'm picking up a, a few other pieces of gear to make it more usable. But that's my standard rig that I know will do what I want to do. All right. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So I don't know much about the Hydra in the sense that I haven't played it, but it's new, it's there, and um, 
that's probably it for gear this week, Dan, isn't it? Yeah, it screams for a demo on your channel. Screams. So go, Actually, I've never, I've never worked with Keely before. You. Keely have never reached out to me, so oh. um, I'd absolutely love to do that. And um, if anyone knows, you know, Mr. Keely, then, you know, just just send him a WhatsApp. And... <laughs> hey, Rob, there's hey, that dude. There's that dude. Austria. Dude with the hair. <laughs> um, you have some new gear this week, don't you? Be- don't show oh, it. Yeah. Don't show it because it is, of course... Don't tell Dan's wife. <laughs> Look at that. What are you holding, Dan? That is the new PGM Micro. Oh, it's so sus. So sus. So sus, yeah. It's basically a shrinked version of the regular PGM 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, super cool paint job. Maple neck, and it's 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 nice. It plays it plays like butter. It's more like a guitar that. Uh, I mean, if you would if you would find a comparison, it feels like as if you played a guitar with a capo on the second fret. All right. So the strings are much looser, and uh, yeah, but it's very nice. Um, I I didn't buy it for me. I, I bought it for my daughter. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and she's gone to bed now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I didn't buy it yet. I just uh, took it with me to to check it out. But I'm I'm definitely going to buy it because it just uh, she she tried it today and it felt right for her with the, the small hands. I mean, she's almost four now. I wanted to play the guitar as well, but never really got along with with daddy's like big guitars. So that's definitely a good instrument, but also good for traveling. Mm-hmm. I know a couple of guys. Uh, I think Andres in the chat uh, too, who take those guitars out for traveling, so they have something to you know do the widdly widdly thing when when they are like uh, on vacation or maybe even on the tour bus can we can we see it again uh, just hold it up a yeah, little absolutely yeah oh i really dig That's it nice. i dig it um yeah i mean what what's so cool about that is that it really captures the the original vibe of uh the pgm you know that's been i mean the pgm has been one of the most successful successful uh paul gilbert designs especially the 100 so there was a reissue of that guitar and now adding this uh, little micro variant it's called the pgmm 11 uh-huh. and uh, that little thing clocks in at uh, 200 bucks so uh it's really a a cool thing to to add to the arsenal i think it's a luxury item what's the the you price on it to have it but uh, if you have it, oh like, exactly yeah what's the 200 bucks 200 bucks and what's the scale yeah. length and what's the tuning uh, it's just a regular st- standard tuning, so uh, I'm not actually I'm not too sure about the scale at the moment. I, w- I would have to check that up. Uh, what the uh, what the micro scale is with Ibanez. Um, I mean, it's got it? while you're 20, doing that. Twenty two point two. Twenty two point two. Twenty two point two ish. Yeah, but uh, don't hold me on that. But like I th- I really like the specs because uh, you got like uh, the bolt on maple neck. Uh, you got the basswood body. Jatoba fretboard, the white white dot inlays, and all the looks, and also the pickups. I mean, these are the the made in China Infinity pickups, uh-huh. but they're not too bad. I mean, I would I would definitely not like put bare knuckles in there, <laughs> but uh, they will do the job, um, especially for for practicing and rehearsing. It's a fun tool. Yep. 
Oh. And if you have kids, I mean, it's a no-brainer. I do. And you know why? Why? Because you can easily sell it to your wife and tell her it's for the kids. Well, the thing is, I already have... Just keep it. Both of my kids already have guitars. Um, and I'm bringing yeah. a video on that in, in, in soon. The Lug guitars. All right. Uh, which I think I've mentioned a few times. Uh, only three strings, but the three top strings. So the E, B, and G. Um, and then they would progress onto something like that, what you're holding there. That's super cool. Uh, I, I love the look, Dan. Is it that the only color? Is that the only color it comes in? No, no, no. We also had like the green version and the white one. So, uh, what color are the f holes on the green one? Uh, that would be black. It's like a emerald green. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. And the white? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that and the white one is just white and black. White and black. Oh, no, white yeah, and yeah. black. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think yeah, I prefer the one you're holding right there. And, yeah, uh, yeah well, that's one of the one of the one of the uh, trademark designs for Paul Gilbert. And I think that we we heard the guitar story on the podcast actually when he told us that he wasn't the one who chose the colors. It was just by accident, you know, that oh. they picked a color that, that they thought looked kind of fancy enough and vibrant enough. So he sticked with it, but it was not on like as per. Paul's request that he went with uh, I want jewel blue with uh, pink fake F-holes you know? uh, that's a pretty cool story the lovely people yeah. in the chat Guillaume and Valeria are confirming that it is 22.2 or 564mm uh, Valeria that, wins there because she front? gave us both and Guillaume you, you only <laughs> gave us in inches mate what's, what's the deal <laughs> I love you I miss you <laughs> uh, I um, I also um, got something, but it's not in my uh, my possession yet this week. All right. I'm just going to bring you up a picture. I did, 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 there it is. It is. It is not coming on the screen. <laughs> oh, <that's, laughs> that goes so well. That is a that is an omen because uh, I I actually haven't paid for it yet. Um, okay. Come on, please. All right. Oh, okay, this is is it? The suspense is killing me now. Um, let's yeah. do that one, and then let's do that one, and let's do. It's a PNG, <laughs> so give me that. God, the suspense, guys. Is that going to work? Yes. Look at that. Right. That's a mean-looking machine. Yes, it is. Um, and it's over top of our logo. How dare you! Um, is that purple sparkle? That is a purple sparkle, classic vibe, Squire <laughs> Telecaster uh, 72 custom. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't need that guitar, Dan. There is nothing about that guitar that I need. <laughs> We've already, there's 17 it, guitars it screams in this Andy. room. But look, exactly. Yeah, it screams it, Yeah, it, yeah. It's, I mean, it's not a guitar that, you know, you might buy if you wanted to invest in a guitar you know just to throw that out there in case we might be talking about that in a moment but um uh it's it's, it's a pure want a pure want and i think i think i talked about it last week that i could probably i mean it's around i think three i'm not i haven't paid for it yet so it's around 400 euros being a squire uh, classic vibe okay. um and i think if i sold that at later date for between 250 and 300 if it ever went i've rented that guitar for 100 bucks you know and that's made me happy and i'm not sure in many ways i can spend 100 bucks and make myself happy dan <laughs> no doubt about that <laughs> yeah so yeah 
that's <laughs> Danish Peter proof. That is true. That is quite. True. I mean, what's what's the thing? What's the thing about purple at the moment? That's it's such a hyped color, right? I don't know, but I was talking to Pete about it, and um, I posted on Instagram and said I might do this, and he wrote me and said, "Do it." <laughs> so you know, when Pete speaks, Andy does. Yeah, <laughs> approved. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's uh, it's coming soon. I mean, again, don't need it. Don't need it. Barely play the guitars I have, if I'm honest. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All righty. All righty. So, what is it? Is it already inbound? Like, when are you expecting the? Uh, no, I, the it's um, I haven't paid for it yet, but it's it's got my name on it. All right. Okay. Um, I only decided yesterday. Uh, so. Yeah, but it, it's it's kind of pre-inbound. Does that uh -huh. make sense? Oh, right. um, yeah. Also, there is a shell pink one. Just a shout out to Guillaume in in the chat. Uh, there is a shell pink classic <laughs> vibe uh, strat that looks absolutely insanely good, but it's not Guillaume's strat. So why why bother? You know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just gonna eat a Milky Way crispy roll if you don't mind. You know, no, keep, no keep your blood sugar up. Step off the mic for a minute. Mm. Oh, you can do a little bit of an ASMR section. I should get stereo mic so I can, you know. Yeah. So Andy's enjoying that yeah. for all the podcast listeners. Mm, yeah. Oh, that was good. I recommend. I recommend. Not sponsored by uh, Milky Way, but uh, yet. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you never know. You know, there's, there's a first for everything. Um, speaking of sponsorship, yeah. we will have a sponsor in the whole of December. So that's coming. I'm very excited about that. Um, yeah, that's lovely, yeah. Mainly people shouting out their support for the podcast because they enjoy it, and that, that means a lot to me. Um, mm, sorry, still still getting that crispy roll there. <laughs> oh. Oh, we might get to move on from the crispy roll to something else. Yeah, we could. Uh, I mean, that's our, is that our gear of the week? Uh, yep. So did I miss the, the, the video for gear of the week? Oh, well, never mind. Then, of course, Dan, shall we move on to the main course? Yeah, please. The main course, Dan. The reason um, that we made that silly, silly thumbnail. Yeah. You are, you are certainly the, um, the leader of this topic. So would you introduce us to investing and guitars, please? Absolutely. 100% profit, that's what an investor's dreams are made of, right? So uh, there's a thing, there's a lot of like tricky offers that, you know, suggest you could make 100% profit with, with stuff like Bitcoins and whatever, and it's super risky. However, when it comes to our realms, like the, the guitar realms, it's not too unrealistic that... Um, you probably already sold a pedal or a guitar that already would have increased by 100% in value. Mm -hmm. For instance, let's say a Marshall Bluesbreaker from the first series. What? <laughs> Something such as this? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that might have doubled in value already. So, uh, yeah, now that, now that we got the attention of our listeners and, and viewers, um, we might want to talk about investing in gear because... Uh, you know, with interest being super low and, uh, you know, the stock market's already being at an all-time high, 
at least for some for some stocks um it might be a good alternative for a few guys that maybe already have like a big assortment of guitars or want to spend a little bit of money and invest in uh, in gear so um yeah andy and i we already discussed and uh, checked back and forth you know we don't want to just talk about what's already hot we also want to give you a rundown or let's say a a wild card guess on uh, what could be the next big thing, mm. you know, and I, I'm, you know, maybe a hundred percent increase in value is a little bit steep, but maybe thirty or fifty percent. It's already much more than what you would get, you know, with stocks or just leaving uh, your money at the bank account. So shall we start? Yeah, right? I just want to I want to okay? jump in and, and say that, um, dear listeners, dear viewers, listen to me, not listen to Dan. <laughs> um, if if I ever strike you as a person that? that knows what to do with money, then I am absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I've just bought a classic vibe. Well, I'm in the process of buying a classic vibe Telecaster, which goes way against what we're talking about now. It's not an investment. It's just pure spunking money away. But um, Dan, yeah. Dan is quite skilled in the old investment game. And um, I don't know if he makes that public, but... Um, um, my girlfriend and I had some money to invest, and I would certainly not invest that money without talking to Dan first. Um, and uh, I don't know if you can buy stocks in Ibanez, but uh, <laughs> that's what he strangely <laughs> recommended. Yeah, yeah. No, um, so yeah, what I, mostly what I'll be saying is purely specul speculative. I think Dan will be the one who actually will give the intelligent advice on this one. Um, but I have some some interesting ones. What I wanted to do is make sure that we're we're kind of trying to pick the next thing, isn't it, Dan? We're not saying uh, so. Yeah. Let's mention the V pedal, the one that um, is making a lot of increase at the moment, the Clon. <laughs> We're yeah. only going to mention it briefly because it's already out there that you can buy a Clon and it is increasing in price yearly, say monthly, weekly, daily. Um, so yeah. that's not going to be our, on a recommendation because it's already extremely pricey, even though that price could double. So it's not about it. It, yeah. it kind of is about an initial investment and capital, but that's already out of the reach of many, many people. Would you say Dan? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's probably not what we are like focusing no. on because that's definitely dentist and lawyer material. That's not what I would invest my money in. And, uh, um, yeah. Also, I think one of the, the, the key points, and we started with that already last week when we talked about the guy who tried to scam you um, on, on Reverb, is there are a few things that you should consider before really like starting to invest your money in gear. And um, one, the first point, and this is probably the most important point, is how to avoid being scammed. And, um, you know, there's a one baseline rule that I always follow is if the price is too good, it probably isn't real. Agree? I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, back back like ten years ago, when when the internet wasn't you know everywhere, you could you still make a bargain and maybe on a flea market find like super hot guitar and a super rare pedal, and and get that for for very little money. But nowadays with eBay and Reverb and all that stuff, like everybody's informed and you know they have the whole world in their hand just with their smartphone so what i'm about to say is oh, that was my daughter <laughs> what i'm about to say is that uh, if the price is way 
below what you would usually pay for the pedal. It either is already taken or it's just a big scam. So be super careful about that. And also, if you if you find an item that that is interesting enough and you think it's well priced, also make sure you search for the exact same item on multiple platforms. And that is what Andy did last week. So you can check like the pictures that you see are they already used, for instance, from another seller. You know, that would be an, a big indicator that this is a big scam, either one of them or even both. You know, sometimes there are big parties, they use the same pictures and they share them and they tr just try to scam people. They hack PayPal accounts and, and, you know, they will just try to trick you. So make sure to, to do a proper research. You know, greed will eat up, will eat up your brain at some point. So you've got to be pretty careful with that. And um, we already had that last week. One, one of my, let's, let's call it pro tip, you know, it's not supposed to sound too cocky, but really like one of the, 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 the best advice that I can give is ask the seller for more pictures and ask them for pictures about stuff that is weird. Ask them for pictures, let's say, from inside the, the battery compartment, mm. you know. Ask them to take it off and take a picture or maybe, I don't know, from a different perspective, there are so many options, but ask them something that usually you would not have photographed when you would have sold that guitar, because then you can make sure, does he really hold the guitar or not? You know? Does that make sense? Andy? Absolutely. Yeah. Ask for weird pictures. Um, can you please send me a picture with it on your head or with a cat? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, like it sent something. me back. Someone actually asked me, I can't remember what it was because I do tend to sell a lot of pedals used and stuff like that. Um, someone, I remember someone with something asking me for some kind of weird request, you know, nothing naughty, but something, um, <laughs> something that I thought was weird. Uh, <laughs> I think it was like, I think it was, can you take a picture of the pedal outside? So it was that something, something like that. Um, and I just, yeah. Okay. Uh, and I think that might be what this guy was, was kind of uh asking for that's a very sensible first move so i think we can sum that up by saying that if the price looks too good then it probably isn't isn't yeah. what you're thinking not to be i mean there's always that chance you know True. always that chance but it's rare it's it's rare it's rare and especially not on the internet if you're if you're you know visiting and we're, we're going to touch touch that topic later but if you're visiting an old like brick and mortar store with an old owner and he's got maybe an old guitar sitting somewhere in the back that already is covered by dust then that's a lucky find but on the internet chances are very small yeah, so that will be a first advice. Make sure not to be scammed because that will ruin everything. And even if you made some money with prior uh, sales and trades or anything, um, it will ruin the margin that you earned. So make sure nobody's scamming you. And I'm getting small again. <laughs> and also one thing that Andy pointed out is uh, you got to determine for yourself, when you think about investing in guitars, are you a collector? Or are you a investor? What's the difference, Dan? Well, both both basically is fine, but it just provides you a totally different perspective. You know, if you are an investor, um, you have like different goal when it comes to buying and selling gear. So, um, let's say, as a collector, and this is something that that I think Sarang or someone else already uh, mentioned. You can hold on to your gear as long as you want. It's basically 
you're collecting gear for difficult times, you know, so that you're able to sell a couple guitars when, when you're going through a rough period financially. So you have something somewhere that you can just uh, turn into money to, to keep on living, you know, and keep your lifestyle. But uh, it's a completely different story if you're an investor. And uh, that also um, that also influences how you should treat the gear that you that you acquire. So um, if you are a collector, mm -hmm. you can play it, for instance. And this is one of the most beautiful things because you cannot play music on stocks, not even gold. I mean, you can look on gold. I don't have gold, but if you have gold, if you're a gold collector and you've got, you know, rings and everything, um, I mean, it's it's cool, but you can't do anything with that. And the beauty about guitars is they don't lose value. You know, if you if you keep them nice and, and, and clean, they will just keep a certain level of value and maybe increase over time. So that's one of the main points. Um, so no scratches when you play them, but you can play them if you're a collector. Um, also, one of the one of the tips from from my experience is don't use wall hangers when uh, when you're a collector, because wall hangers they tend to, you know, if you have a neck that that is for instance made of bird's eye maple, or if you have a uh, like very cold walls, uh, your necks might be warping. That's a big issue that I experienced several times with with wall hangers. So I would be pretty careful with that. Really? And actually, it's also sorry. Another, I, I, yeah, let's yeah. just jump out of investing for a second there. Yeah, you, that's actually happened to you where you've had guitars hanging and then the guitar got a Twice. bit longer or, or what? No, no, it, it, the neck just warped. So ultimately it just twisted, you know, in, in two directions and then there's no no way in playing that. And you've got to bring it to Luthier and he's got to, you know, cut some wood off and maybe uh, reapply a, a new surface, like a new fretboard on it. So that's that's horrible. I mean, you don't want to, you want that to happen. Uh, and and the, the reason for that, I, I was really pissed when it, when it happened first, and I was even like more depressed basically when it happened the second time. But the, um, I heard a good explanation. People were telling me that, uh, especially outside walls, they can be pretty cold. Ah. So when you um, when the heating is heating up the, the 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 apartment or the flat, then the wall is slowly getting warmer. But once the heating is out, for instance, overnight, it will get cold again. So you have that. You have that permanent climate change and also temperature change on on outside walls, so be pretty careful with that. So basically, from taking that from that, I would recommend if you are a collector, always store your guitars in cases. There's no better place. I mean, if you have an acoustic guitar, or if you're collecting acoustic guitars, make sure you've got a humidifier as well. And also, if you have like electric guitars, make sure that there's no neck sprout over time. So, like I said, you got to keep the guitars nice and clean. It's with like with old timers, like old cars. You got to make sure, you know, to give them some some love over time. But please keep the stuff in your case if you don't play. It. So, do you have to decide, or would you say it's best to decide if you are going to collect this guitar or you're going to invest in this guitar before it even enters your house? I mean, I think it's a totally different approach because. Um, if, as a as a collector, what I just mentioned are the rules uh, that you got to follow in order to to keep your guitars nice and and uh, keep a certain value. Also, like keep them away from sunlight. That's also one of the big, big, big uh, issues that can endanger the overall value of the guitar. But as an investor, I would I would definitely have a totally different approach. As an investor, I would like from the very beginning um, carry like an inventory list of of the guitars that you have, and also when once you purchase a guitar. 
you got to have a, a certain price tag in mind at which you want to sell the guitar. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the main point, because if you're not selling the guitars, you are a collector and not an investor. Uh, and that's that's a that's a big point. You have to let go of the guitars at some point. And the best way to do that is like if you purchase a guitar at a good price, set yourself a threshold. And once you reach that threshold, you've got a, a, a buyer, a potential buyer that would pay a certain amount of money. You've got to let it go. Otherwise, you're not an investor. <laughs> tough. I mean, <laughs> I, I the hardest thing for me, and I think that for, for many of us, um, as guitar players is the emotional connection to a guitar because um, sure. like there's there's certain guitar, there's a guitar there's a telly just there can you see it yeah. I've had that since the 90s my dad bought it me I can't ever sell it because it, it or at least it would be very very last you know on my on my list to sell because yeah. of the emotional connection and um, I have to be very careful when I'm buying things like specifically doing this this channel uh, I don't buy guitars or um, or uh, companies send me guitars. I don't have that as my personal collection sometimes. I actually I actually do separate my personal collection from my work collection. So there are some guitars that mm -hmm. I don't feature on the channel or at least very rarely feature. And um, yeah, selling guitars for me is, is the emotional issue there. So of course, you, you know, as you just said, you have to wait until you reach the price, or you, maybe you put it up as a price, and if someone offers it you, I've often, mm -hmm. or have often, uh, it has happened where someone's offered me the price that I wanted, and then my heart's gone, oh no, I don't want to sell it. And then, <laughs> and then of course, what happens is uh, most of the time, the guitar goes, and I forget that I even had that guitar. Isn't that yeah. awful? You know, oh look, oh look, <laughs> a new shiny one. Um, but that's yeah. the best, and yeah. So the, I think most of the guys in, in the live stream they they pledge guilty on being a collector, including myself. I mean, who is like one of the cold-blooded investors that's just purchasing guitars and selling them at the like a special price? It's just it's a very small like amount of people. You got to be. And honest. I wanted to bring up just to jump out of the the sort of not script, but the the. Yeah, we'll call it a script. Um, take you off right for a minute. I want to talk about the ethical side. Is it right to invest guitars? You know, like imagine um, Peter Green's Les Paul, mm -hmm. currently owned by by Kirk Hammett. Just wouldn't it be awful if that was just sold on and someone just kept it in a glass case in you know in a climate controlled area and that just feels so so wrong as if, as if it's owned by the guitar community of the world you know so mm -hmm. absolutely it's yeah. an investment or jimmy page's number one or anything from hendrix or, or clapton or any name that you can think of brian may okay um he's getting on in years at some point he won't <laughs> need the red special anymore yeah yeah, well, that's a, that's a fair point. I mean, that's that's part of music history. And, and, you know, I mean, I would even prefer those guitar being exhibited at a museum over just being somewhere, you know, put in a safe or, or you know, in a private living room. The, the Kurt Cobain, we talked about this on the, the first series, Kurt Cobain's acoustic guitar from yeah. Live Unplugged in New York, uh, the Martin. 
bought by the CEO yeah. of Rode Microphones for just over $6 million. And um, he is demonstrate or would have been had we not been you know locked down all this time, uh, taking it out on the road, allowing people to see it, and then eventually signing it on, probably at a profit, uh, and putting that money, at, I don't know if it's all the money or all the profit, he didn't, I don't remember reading it, but that money goes towards music education. Um, mm -hmm. as, as Sarang is saying, Steve Vai's Evo. Yeah, of course, the, is, the, the list is, is huge. Um, I just think the world has a, uh, the guitar world has a, an ownership of these instruments. You know, it's, we feel like yeah. there's a wrong being done there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Definitely. But also, Jason's just pointed out that there's a great, great guitars, but a mere mortal would never be attained. For a mere mortal, would never be attainable. That's true. Um, I just feel slightly pained if if the Red Special, for example, would, were to be locked away, um, only to be brought out five years later, so somebody else could lock it away for more money. You know. Mm -hmm. um, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, Dan. Let's get back to it. Yeah, so we're gonna be thankful actually uh, for Kirk Hammett like still playing Peter Green's original guitar and making that you know, showing us that the guitar still exists. I mean, <laughs> I didn't necessarily like the way he plays it compared to how Peter Green did, but you know, <laughs> such is life. But let, don't let don't let start on on uh, discussing. Close SNMG. that door quickly. Close well, it down. Yeah, yeah, Lock yeah. It. That's that's a uh, swallow yeah. the key. <laughs> We're not going down that no. road, not at all. Yeah, yeah, but still, like going back to that, like being a collector, being an investor. I mean, there are a few cold-hearted investors, but they definitely have to act that way. You got to have an invest uh, inventory list. You got to have a, a target price, and once you reach a price, you sell it, and you buy and you sell and you buy and you sell. And there are some great shops. At the very ending, we'll be talking about those where you can, you know, buy those guitars. And I'm actually thankful that there are a few people that that have those kind of businesses the like smaller businesses but they are special highly specialized on those on those uh, niche guitars uh, thanks to them uh, occasionally they pop up and are available you know for, for buying yeah they kind of know. curate them don't they? Yeah. Well, on the other hand they, yeah yeah exactly yeah and also it's like like they are also a little bit like a price bible because you can see how the value develops i mean nowadays we have reverb but back in the days there were a few shops uh, that were specialized on, on used guitars and they were basically dictating the price. <laughs> so there was a yeah. blue book as well, if I remember rightly. Um, yep. that is I, I never yeah. really got into that. I was too busy um, playing, I guess. <laughs> so, and when we, when we talk about like, uh, I mean, we don't want to talk about spending money. We also want to find out how to make money from guitars, from selling guitars. So one of the key aspects when you want to make money from selling guitars is you have to have a decent purchasing price of the guitars. Mm -hmm. How do you get that? Lowball. <laughs> Lowball offers. Okay, fair enough. But you got to do your proper research first. And nowadays we have you know Reverb. You've got eBay. You can check all those platforms to find out what is a proper price. Like what were the last auctions that uh, ended up uh, you know product being sold, and and what is like the curve. Sure. You, you have the graph on reverb that, that gives you like the last transactions over the last 12 or 24 months. So that's a very good indicator to also see how the, the value of an instrument gradually develops. Sometimes there's just a, so a gut feeling as well, isn't there? Like, um, I think Absolutely. it was yesterday, yeah. in fact, that uh, I think it was Brian that posted in the Guitar Geek Facebook group that he'd found a, an Ibanez 
uh, for 350... 50, yeah. RBM10, Red Beach model, correct. And then he asked for your help, of course, and you, you gracefully jumped in. And um, it's worth, I think you said, between 500 and 1,000 quite easily. Is that right? Yeah, 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 correct. I mean, with in a good condition with the original case, I mean... It's it's a thing at the moment. Everyone is desperately trying to spend money somewhere. You know, people buy Lego and people buy stocks. People buy guitars. People buy sorry, old sorry. Cars. Dan it's buys just... Lego. Dan buys stocks. Dan buys guitars. <laughs> no, Dan, no, Dan, no. <laughs> These were just people examples. such as no. me. <laughs> Dude, if we're not if we're not sending I, I each don't. other photos of guitars or pedals or stuff, you're sending me photos of Lego. <laughs> But I built. Ah, oh, yeah. It's not there quite Ghostbusters, no, though, is it? No, it's not. Oh. Ghostbusters X01. Can we digress? Can we digress? Yeah, for does a anybody mind if we digress Lego to Lego for a second? No. Okay then. Just a second. Oh, they just released a super cool Ecto One. Oh, this and it's forty-seven centimeters Ecto long. Oh, oh, pressing all kinds of buttons. Forty-seven centimeters. Ghostbusters. I got to bring this up. Ghostbusters X01 Lego. I I love the curves it has. You know what I mean? Because they put there's yeah. a promo thing yeah. they did yeah. with the actual Ecto One or one of the the ambulances that was kitted out like an Ecto One, and um, yeah, it, uh, it they had the the shape, the form right. You know the uh, as a Ghostbusters fanatic and a Lego fan, uh, which is the same word as fanatic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I can't show this flipping picture. Oh, I wish I could. Um because it's just it's just so good. Is anyone in the chat into Lego? Um Is it one oh two seven four then? That's the right number, isn't it? That's that's I'm the new sure. one because there was an older one as well. Yeah, that's that's gotta be it. Brick Fanatics, there we go. What a what a digression this is but it's super cool we got to yeah, do I'm, it i'm trying to do it i mean this this is this is the way this is the way oh we'll do that later as well don't you worry my friend <laughs> we got mandalorian news coming right your your way later lego ghostbusters <sighs> lordy lordy lord let me quote vin Di let me quote vin diesel beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> That is that is so cool. I mean, it's not yeah. a pretty car, is it? But when you when you when you put all that stuff on it and it has all the history of Ghostbusters. Yeah, and the cool thing is when once you roll it, like if you move it, the thingies on uh, on the roof they will move. <laughs> That's so super cool. Yeah, and you got the the um, the steering wheel that you can move. Hand of God steering on top. <sighs> okay, Beautiful. so Lego investing Very next nice. week. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, there are other podcasts for that. <laughs> That's for sure. But uh, let's let's talk about like gear investment. Sure. Yeah. So basically, like, we want we want to find out how you can make money on guitars. And like you know, like I said, you got to get a good price, like a purchasing price. And also, there's the art of like negotiating with the dealer, uh, with either a dealer or a seller. So if you're good in negotiating, chances are that you also get a good price on that. So be kind. Ask politely. Don't do like lowball offers. No, I, I was joking, <laughs> although I, I have yeah. been lowballed, of course, and I have myself also lowballed other people. Um, I'm a firm okay. believer in if you don't ask, you don't get. 
However, um, when I was thinking about selling my custom shop Strat recently, which I decided against in the end because I grew to love it again, um, I put it up for, let's say, 2.8. I think it was 2.8 it was up for. And some guy just wrote 1,400. Well, that's exactly 50%, dude. You've just taken my number and halved it. You know, you yeah. haven't even put any work, any creative numbers on that. You've just halved it. And then he gave me a thousand reasons why, you know. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. And also, the question that you, that you occasionally get is like, what's the best price? Yeah, let's, let's the price here. We have this. Let, let's let's the price. price. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think when you, you yeah, I'll give you the best price. Delete. I think for me, <laughs> I have sold guitars that for, and guitar-related gear for prices that far less than I wanted to, but for some reason that seller has, whoops, that seller, a buyer, sorry, has inspired me to. So I've sold a guitar to a kid, a 15-year-old boy once, not because he gave me a sob story, but because he was genuinely interested and we started chatting and I thought... You know, I really want this guitar to go to this person. Um, on the flip side of that, some guy pretended to be a 10-year-old person, and it was a man trying to sell me sub stories. So, you know, again, back to the testing people, I always like to enter a conversation when negotiating, not just throwing a number mm -hmm. out there. Yeah, so we've got Jason in the chat. He's saying, when selling, start high and work down to what your actual price would be because people always want to deal and expect to haggle. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you want 200 bucks, don't put it up for 200 bucks. <laughs> if you put 210, that kind yeah. of, for me, that always indicates, okay, this guy or this girl's looking for 200. They're just putting two. So you go 200, they go, yeah, okay. Or, yeah. you know, yeah. That's a good point. That's Thank a good you, Jason. Point. That's yeah. something that I, I generally tend to do even when I'm not investing. But, um, we got any more pro tips, Dan? Any more pro investment tips? Yeah, well, maybe one last before we go into which which models are currently hot and what are our guesses for the future. Um, usually, like if, especially if you have like commercial sellers, if they offer something on Reverb or eBay, the price might be slightly higher than what they would actually sell it in their store or sell it to you after negotiating. Good. Because if they sell it directly to you. They don't have to, you know, pay the reverb um, fee or you know any kind of cut. So basically, if you see an item from a commercial seller on Reverb, check their store. You know, check their website and maybe just you know inquire via email. So if they can sell it directly outside that platform like eBay or Reverb, you know, they they can offer you a better price. Then of course you don't have the protection that you would get as a, as a buyer from eBay or Reverb. But is that something real or is it scaremongering done by Reverb and eBay and such places? Yeah. So. yeah. Plus, if it's like a commercial seller, it's it's rather, you know, unusual to being scammed from those kind of guys. Plus, you can still insist on, on using PayPal. I mean, you got to pay the 3% PayPal fee in that case. But uh, it's all, always uh, advisable. Oh, never, you know, ever, safe. ever, friends and family. Never, ever nope. send money, friends and family. Nope. I, I'm sure you guys in the chat know that. Uh, but if you're listening and you you know you, maybe you're not so experienced uh, in buying and selling and and maybe not even investing, but don't ever send friends or family, man. Just nope, <laughs> that money is yeah. gone for good. Oh, but you have to send it by friends and family because of this and this. Nope, sorry. No matter how much you nope. want that piece of gear, 
and I can talking from personal experience, both positive and negative, I've lost money. Um, not a lot, thankfully, but never. Never. Yep. <laughs> Fully agree. Yeah. So also, I, th I, I don't really have a, like a moral issue with that, uh, like, you know, asking outside eBay or River, because usually those kind of commercial sellers, they have a website or a shop themselves. So you could either go there and, you know, or check out the website. So it's, it's not a, it's not an issue. Whereas I'm not a big fan of talking guys out of an eBay sell if they already have like, uh, you know, a couple bits on the item. So there's something I would not recommend because, uh, you know, you might be banned from eBay or also some sellers might react a little bit aggressive. <laughs> But also, yeah. don't ask, you don't get. <laughs> sure I thing. love the dance. Sometimes yeah. the dance is more fun than the actual. Um, yeah. One night. No, no, leave that metaphor. That's a very mixed. <laughs> Dan, I've got some gear with me. Uh, and I, I, I've got a guitar and a small selection of pedals. Um, right. We already mentioned the Klon earlier. We're not going to go anywhere near that today because it's well known and we're trying to predict the next sort of thing that you might want to not sell if you have one. Um, do, you, do you have something with you as well? I believe you do. I have, yeah. yeah. Do you want to get... Do you I, want to start? I'll start because well, I'll bring in, if I may, um, I'll bring in sure? the Blues Breaker that I, I brought in earlier. And so that's already a hot item, right? It is hot. However, uh, the story behind this is fairly interesting. Have I told you how much I paid for this, Dan? Mm, not yet. How much do you think I paid for this? And I've done that to you twice now. But um, take me, give me a guess. How much do you think I paid for this? Eighty bucks. Fifteen pounds. <sighs> that's In nineteen ninety-six. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there was a, that was a time. Yeah. There was a closing down uh, sale yeah. in my still favorite, because you know it's deep in my heart, an, an, an ex-local shop, uh, Gloucester Music in Gloucester, and I bought this and a very well-known pedal to you, Dan, the Dan Electro Pastrami Overdrive, and the Pastrami cost me twenty pounds, and this cost me fifteen. Can you read between the lines? I can. I can. <laughs> uh, I'm not actually sure how old this Bluesbreaker is. It's, but it's, it's generation one. It's the English one, which if you are looking to invest in a Bluesbreaker, um, there's the English one. English one? I went to the Germans then. Uh, English one <laughs> and the Korean one. The English one is the more desirable one. Yeah. And as for version two, the smaller silver one, it ain't the same. Don't even bother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, how, how do you differentiate between the made in Korea version and the, the British one? It says made in England on the back. All right. Well, Andy's got a solution. If it's made in Korea, Dan, it says made in Korea. <laughs> uh, I, but here's the thing there was a there was a time when when marshall released the second series the mark ii series you know the shiny silver ones that yeah, I have, you know I they had, were rock I did solid have a couple, and they, yeah. yeah you could you could buy the series one at almost like a couple euros five bucks ten bucks fifteen bucks that was ridiculous at the time and now the prices have skyrocketed so you know how much how much is the the current value of these like like a regular blue I, I, I could probably sell that for 300 euros 
uh, easily. I can sell it for two fifty right now because I've been offered two fifty. If I All put right. it up for three hundred, so that's more than hundred yeah. percent. So we're talking more than fifteen pounds. Just to check. Hang on, I'm just yeah. going to check my maths on that. Yes, yes, it is more than fifteen pounds. Uh, and also, right. just as a as yep. a little teaser for an upcoming video, I have all of that series of Marshall pedals. Oh, all made in the all UK. All British made, except for one which is Korean made, because of course we're going to get a versus. Um, what have you got, Dan? Because <laughs> I've got a little a little handful. I've got about eight pedals with me. Have you got anything with you you'd recommend? Right. Well. Uh, well Basically, we wanted to start with the objects that are currently already hot, and then go to the to the wild cards. Mm -hmm. So um, I didn't bring a pedal with me, but I brought a guitar. Uh, I showed it once, but I was going to show it again. Swirly, swirly, properly. So whenever you see a swirled, like an original swirled gem, and it's reasonably priced, buy it. Buy it. This, this is one of the purple multicolors, less than 300 made. And uh, that was a, I think I told the story that it was a coincidence that someone was asking for my advice uh, about uh, a value estimate for a old tube screamer pedal. And in the background, there was this guitar sitting and I was like, okay, here's the estimate, but what's, what's the deal about that guitar? <laughs> I want it. <laughs> and I was like, no questions asked. He was like, yeah, you, it's for sale. You can buy that. And then we, you know, we went back and forth, back and forth. And I ended up buying it at a very good price, you know. So, um, swirls. I mean, those kind of purple multicolors or just the regular swirls, and also the the Millennium models, the the Gem DNA, which contains a vial of blood, Steve Vai's blood, hence the name. Those guitars, they are already skyrocketing in price. And like, if you have a chance to get your hands on those at a decent price, that's a safe, safe, safe bet for a very good investment because they, they will double or triple or what you call a decent quadruple price, in Dan? price. What's a decent price? Well, that, that really depends on the models and also on the condition. I can, I can only recommend like to, to check out the, um, you know, the, the, the listings. That, that ended recently. I mean, if we talk, for instance, that's not a, a multicolor, but if we talk about one of the Gem 777 uh, Loch Ness Green ones, the f very first uh, Steve Vai signature guitars, those, uh, they built like 777 of those. And if you find one of these in near mint condition, even 5K would be a good price from my point of view. Wow. Because they're only 777 and most of them, you know, they were all you know, painted on the back, uh, you know, some some doodling from Steve, and they were all numbered. Um, so if, if this is still preserved, there are very few guitars that, that are still in that condition. So that will still be a good price. So it's always subjective, and it really comes down to how much money you want to spend. And um, if this still sounds like sane to you to spend that much of, of money for uh, on a guitar, you know, but that would be a good investment. You know, it always comes down to supply and demand, and uh, where supply and demand meet, True. then you get the price in the market. Yeah, I, I'm gonna yeah. I have to. So, like, sorry, Dan. Um, I'm just really worried you're gonna knock and ding dong that guitar while we're pointing at the microphone. <laughs> Boom! Ah, oh, it's just cost me five hundred bucks. <laughs> B stock. That's how we call B -stock. it. B stock. Relict. Authentic relic. <laughs> Podcast relic. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when our yeah, podcast yeah. is number one in the world, then that would, of course, be worth more. 
You never know. You never know. Aim for the stars. Um, I want to bring to the attention something from the chat from Funky Monkey. Funky Monkey found an 89. That's so much fun to say. Funky Monkey. Have a go, Dan. Funky Monkey. Try it. Funky oh, monkey? yeah, I just brought Funky Monkey. Funky Monkey. Uh, sorry. you got to add some, some rhythm monkey. to it, the Funky Monkey. Uh, funky Monkey, yeah. I found an 80. It's even more funny if you say it first. Funky Monkey. I found an 89 Takamini guitar at a thrift store the other day. I had the first peak buy option. was flawless, like new. I bought it to resell. I could easily make 600 bucks profit. But now <laughs> I love it too much. <laughs> that is the eternal struggle. I hear um... you. I hear you. <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> That's like I say, you got to be pretty cold-blooded to be a pure investor, because every guitar's got a story. Yeah. <laughs> See, I would say that uh, investors and artists, you know, musicians, the arty type, the creative, the musician. That's a really hard uh, personality to have, you know, cold-blooded business person, musician. Mm -hmm. I mean, you'd know more about that, Dan, of course, but uh... <laughs> all right, um, you did guitar. I'm going to do guitar, okay? All right. Oh, sugar. Just kidding. <laughs> this. Very nice. What is that? There's you in the reflection. Hello. Uh, this is a Gibson... <laughs> Golden Axe Explorer, the Bill Kelleher guitar player, or one of the guitar players from Mastodon. Very this, nice. What, how is it? How is that finish called? It's called Golden Burst. Gold Burst. Golden Golden okay. Burst. So it's it's not That's actually it's, about, it's actually gold. It's not brown. So it's uh -huh. it's it's golden. It's hence the name. And we've got you know binding. We've got a slim sixties neck, black on the back. Um, yeah, it's an Explorer. It's got the Mastodon logo just there, somewhere there. Um, push pull pots, boom boom for coil splitting, and then some um, is it lace sensor? Yeah, lace, no, lace nitro hemi pickups, and um, they made four hundred of these down. What are you laughing at now? <laughs> it's a lovely guitar i just had laugh because there was that one comment that said uh where is that uh i'm buying this guitar to resell it's a trap <laughs> okay i'll let you off with the, with the star no wars one ever. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they made yeah. 400 so of I, these I, I wasn't i wasn't aware that they were so rare i didn't know i just saw a picture the story of me in this guitar is that i saw a picture of one one day on the internet and from, I've always wanted an explorer because I'm a big guy and this makes me look like a normal sized person. And for me, explorers have to have block inlays and that's not traditionally how it is. And then I found mm -hmm. that just again, just by accident. And then I, I saw the, the finish and like, oh my goodness. And um, only then did I find out, of course, that there were only 400 made. Um, so I, I searched, I think for about 18 months, two years and had search agents out on Reverb, on eBay, on Wilhaben here in Austria. And then one came up in Vienna. And um, wow. the guy wanted 1200 bucks for it. And it's not in A1 condition. So he it's it's in 
it's in better than player condition, but it's it's chipped on the headstock. Just there, look. Can I show it? Yeah, it's chipped on the headstock. It's it actually looks like someone's bitten the edge of the headstock. I, I think I think that's because that's quite pokey, and I think someone's poked that at some singer or something. Yeah. It's bitten the end. Um, but it's very you know, there's no knocks or and the body's pretty much perfect. It's just the headstock, and that's because it's an explorer. And um, putting it back just for a second because it's heavy. Uh, yeah, four hundred made. I paid twelve hundred bucks for it. Uh, I've been offered seventeen hundred bucks instantly when I bought it. Wow! Uh, you know, so that's five hundred. Um, yep, five hundred profit. And only if you sell it. Exactly, Dan. And the thing is, that is a case queen. I've only took it out of the case mm. to uh, to show you tonight. And um, I noticed that the actually the frets have started to go a little bit green from not uh, not being stored mm -hmm. properly. So I need to make sure I deal with that in a moment. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So th there's another thing we need to talk about at some point is storing things. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. 400 made. Bill Callagher fell out with Gibson uh, shortly afterwards because they wouldn't, even though it's his signature, they were selling it in standard tuning with I think ten to 50, ten to forty six strings, and he doesn't use those strings or standard tuning. So Gibson mm -hmm. would not, as the story goes, um, sell it as a signature guitar, as as if you were playing Bill's guitar. Um, and he's now with I want to say ESP. Yeah, I, I think, think so. And they they're yeah. they're doing exactly what he wants, and that's also a very nice guitar. But. The point is, mm. I don't see there ever being any more made. And even if they do make more, this is the first generation. Um, yep. That's the guitar that, uh, even though I don't play Gibson on this channel anymore for um, political reasons, uh, I will not. Uh, <laughs> I will not get rid of that guitar. I've got rid of all my other Gibsons. Can't have guitars that I don't play, and uh, that one's staying for the investment, but also because it took me such a long time to get it. You know. Yeah, I but I, I I very much see that in the future going to my son or my daughter or <laughs> selling it and you know finally paying for the surgery uh, whatever you know. <laughs> dark. But what I, <laughs> very dark. But what I'm saying is <laughs> that's the one that I didn't buy to invest, but I'm now keeping as an investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's like a prototypical uh, example of a, a good investment because it's a guitar that has only been built like for a short period of time. The artist is already no longer with the company, and it's like a very renowned band or artist. So that's like th three key boxes that you can check that make it for a good investment. So usually signature gear that is uh, that stands out and is very much different compared to like regular production models. It's always a good idea to invest in that instead of just like a regular, mm -hmm. let's say. Gibson Les Paul Standard or RG550 or Fender Strat Custom Shop, whatever, because it stands out. And there's always there will always be you know there will always be a couple of guys, a couple of super fans that are looking for this exact guitar, and they will ultimately end up you know buying that from somewhere. And they don't even shy away from importing stuff. No, you know I I imported stuff from the states just for the sake of having it. So. Yeah, uh, I've just been waiting for this entire podcast for Pooh to bring up the Pia giveaway. He asks if he missed <laughs> Pooh Ninja. Did I miss the Pia giveaway, or am I still el eligible to win? Nice one. Um, I get the feeling we should fire through a few more examples, and then um, what yeah. have you got, Dan? 
like of the, the what's currently hot or do you think what, what we think uh have, of good investment have you got anything future? more with you because i've got a few things i could just uh, throw up at the camera well if we talk about wildcard predictions mm -hmm. yes if i may uh, start that sections um one of a very interesting example might be the tsv 808 the ibanez vamoram because this is a pedal that has been built only for one year. It comes in a very nice packaging. It was expensive when you had to buy it. I think it was 500 bucks, am I mistaken? I, I thought 400, oh, but oh, yeah, I can't it's, 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 that, 400, it's that area. Yeah. And it's oh, super nice. First time I get it out of the box, just for you guys to show you. You've never taken out the box? It's Nope. So you've so that's a super nice. But you photo. have you've plugged one in, haven't you? Because I remember we were talking at Nam and, and yeah, 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 we had, we had we had prototypes and stuff. So I have one in the office actually, but this is they all numbered, and I can totally see those go for, I don't know, say one grand in a couple of years, because they they've only been producing very limited numbers, and it's a very exclusive item. And Vemrim is a highly hyped brand from Japan. And Ibanez is a sought-after brand, and Tube Screamer is a trademark. So if people are looking for, you know, especially collectors that have every single Tube Screamer and they want like at least yes. one pedal of each yes. series, there's no alternative on getting one of these. So that would definitely be a good investment. If you find one in the wild at a good price, go for it. So That's how many were made? Or was it, was it limited to time or limited to numbers or both? Uh Usually, Ibanez doesn't share those numbers, so I don't really know how many were made, but I know that we had a lot of back orders that we could not fulfill. And I know that in Japan and the US, it was the same case because, you know, the production took much longer than expected. Mm -hmm. So they ended up like producing less than we originally had planned. So, yeah, that's definitely a, a good investment. And all those, like if I may like uh, go on with another example, all those kind of special edition of the Troop Screamer. <laughs> Like Sorry, the, I, I, the I, I reacted thing. badly then. <laughs> this is like the TS9, the golden version of the, uh, the TS. Those ones, they are usually a safe bet. So you probably don't find them like at a discounted price because, you know, like I said, they are produced only like for 12 months or even a shorter period of time. But if you have a chance to get hold of one, that's a safe bet. If you hold, hold on to these pedals for, let's say, 10 years, I guarantee they will increase in value. No doubt about that. Would you ever consider buying two, one to play, one to box? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I, I, I haven't, I have actually, I have done that, not with Ibanez pedals, but I have a couple exotic pedals. Is it Andy Timmons uh, by any like, chance? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, those were signed. You know, hand signed and hand numbered. Fair so, enough. and also there was a, a exclusive series of G and I, G and I, N I G, N G I. It's like a Brazilian effects uh -huh. company, and uh, you could only import them from Brazil. <laughs> so I'm not playing that pedal. But unfortunately, I don't have like the equivalent to be played. But I've got a couple of exotic uh, BB preamps, uh, AT signature ones. So a couple to uh, collect and a couple to wow. play. Well, that's good. But that's the that's the exception because you know I, I don't have like too much money laying around just to spend it on 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 gear that's not being played. That's why I'm not keeping any case queens. I have a big collection of guitars, but 
most of them they are cluttered around either my, my parents at law or at work or here so they usually get to be played at least a couple times per year i don't like case queens too much because then it would really be like more a, a pure investment and like i mentioned earlier you got to take care of these guitars you got to spend some love and give them to some proper tlc from time to time yeah i i haven't and now i need to you know sort that out dear um there you go we got some people in the chat. Funky Monkey, good, still fun to say. Um, got a Tube Screamer in the 90s. <laughs> Dan is dancing away there. Um, so the old green Tube Screamers, I'm assuming you mean the 808, uh, which is now yeah. reissued, the 808 Pro. Am I right there, Dan? Is it, Can um, say that again? The 808 Pro is the reissue. Is that right? No, there were there were a couple, not not necessarily pro. There were a couple uh, TS eight uh, TS eight hundred eight. Also, it's like the the fortieth anniversary reissue, and there were the hand wired versions. So there are a couple couple variations. Okay, well the important part is that Funky Monkey got one for five bucks in the nineties. <laughs> that That's a safe the, bet. The I will say, yeah, uh, yeah. any pedal for five bucks is a safe bet. You Absolutely. could definitely sell yeah. that for ten bucks. I love flea markets. Yeah, just buy every pedal you can find on flea market as long as it's working yeah. for five bucks all right I, can i can i uh show yeah please uh, it's turning into look at andy's fun gear but um i've got three pedals here that i've only ever taken one out of the box once and that was just to take a photo these Ooh. are the steel panther Pussy Melter. You know that once you announce the name, we are explicit. I've just right? said it, but luckily you spoke over me, so well done. The <laughs> Poontang Boomerang and the Butthole Burner. And um, these are pedals released um, by the band Steel Panther. Um, and the Pussy Melter being the first one, and that was extremely controversial, and that was... Um, there's loads of stories you can find about that on the internet and YouTube about the TC Electronic patch they created called the Pussy Melter. Some people didn't like the fact that they used that name, so the TC Electronic removed it. Steel Panther got on the back of that promotion and, and did a big sort of, <laughs> whoa, screw you. Um, yeah, pedal release. So however you feel about that original story, there's a fun pedal there. And then the butthole burner is uh, the same pedal, uh, as in same internals, apparently, but just renamed the butthole burner because they won't make any more of these. And then in the middle is the um, the Poontang Boomerang, which is a, a delay pedal. And I've accidentally started collecting them. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice packaging. Um, I like the idea. Yeah, so... I mean, the whole story, That's I think that's what, what makes those pedals so special is the story that you just mentioned. Yeah, uh, and also, you know, I've met Satchel. I did an interview with him for Tolman at uh, NAM 2018. I want to say 19, 19. And um, oh, lovely! That's a highly recommended a legendary yeah. video. Uh, I, I I gained yeah. a lot of brownie points, internet points on that one. So I recommend watching that. Not for me, mm -hmm. but for the pained uh, 
conversation going on behind the camera that you can't hear from the uh, people at Charvel trying to get me to finish the interview, and um, Satchel and I would not finish. It was it was really really enjoyable. That's on the Tolman channel. So yeah, go and watch that when you when you finish watching this. It's it's really really enjoyable, yeah. and not just for me. So yeah, um, that was. If I if I just uh, quickly might jump in, uh, that was one of the interviews where I just thought, wow, Andy's such a great host because usually people interview Satchel, they try to out humor him, they really mm. try not to to give him an assist so he can score. They try to be funnier than him. But what you, what you did was just like being the perfect wingman or perfect companion for him. Like you provided him the crown and he uh, the ground and he would score goal after goal after goal. It was hilarious. That was one of the like best things i've seen on the on the toman channel really props for that thanks i had a lot a, a lot of fun i mean that that's the bottom line of what i do have some fun man and uh, you know you're going to be with satchel you're not going to beat him and also <laughs> what's, what's the point i wouldn't have, yeah. I, I wouldn't i'm not a very competitive person in that in that sense but also i wanted to have fun you know <laughs> yeah, yeah anyway Limited edition pedals that have a story behind them, or limited edition anything, as we also said with the signature guitars, um, that's that's a good move. I did pay. Uh, they weren't cheap, so they're two hundred and something. Then of course I got hit with import duty, which was mm -hmm. sixty, which is something we've not really mentioned yet, Dan. So if you are importing uh, gear, do you want to talk about that for a second? Well, you gotta pay tax for that so mm. you can easily add up like 20 20 percent on your import price that's a, a rough number plus shipping from the states at the moment is super expensive due to the whole corona issue it has skyrocketed so you got to be careful when when considering prices especially between us and, and european markets um, you've got to factor, factor that in because otherwise it's a it's a apples and pears comparison sure yeah. Yeah. Well, um, shall we talk over a couple more predictions? Let's say do we can do more wildcard predictions that we think Go on, will then. hit me with yeah, a wildcard prediction price. of what people should be buying, Dan. All right, I'll slap you with a couple. So um, you've been watching Davy Five for too much. Too way too much. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> just a little bit of a story about that. You know what? What I like the most about his videos, it's not like when he's big on screen. It's when he's watching other videos and he's just like that small, uh, small video on the on the corner, and you can barely see him grin a little bit and reacting to that stuff. I love it. I love it. So he's the man. Yeah. But anyway, going back to topic. I mean, there are some obvious things like um, all the '50s and '60s Gibsons and Les Pauls, uh, Gibson Les Pauls and Fenders. They basically all have been taken. So if you're in the market for a late 60, early 70 uh, Fender or Gibson, um, that's probably still in the price range that is realistic. But you got to be pretty careful because especially uh, with the 70s uh, strats and also some, some Les Pauls, I mean, you don't always get what you expect, to put it that way. You know, at the time, especially, you know, we all know the CBS story from Fender, but also with Gibson. I mean, there was a reason why brands like Greco and Ibanez became so big because they copied Gibson and their copies actually were better than the original in terms of playability, in terms of, you know, how they were set up and all that stuff. So you got to be pretty careful. And not every, every late 60s or early 70s Fender or Gibson is a good investment because if, if that guitar is a bad instrument, there's no way you know you can make up for that. It's just a bad investment. Oh. 
Unless, of course, you keep it so long, you know, that, that it becomes ridiculous. Yeah, but still, I mean, musicians like Bonamassa, I'm pretty sure even if if, if he's, he's a Neumann guitar that's just not playing well or sounding well, he, he'll probably not end up buying that. Because if that guitar doesn't speak to him, why should he invest so much money in it? Just because it's mint? Mm. I think there's still that emotional like uh, factor when it comes to, to investing in gear. If, if you don't resonate with the instrument, you got to be very cold-blooded and really only investment-oriented. It's I, I, See, I don't know I, if I, I'm, I, I'm wrong. But. I, well, you're not wrong. It's, it's, it's an opinion, I guess, so you, you can't be wrong. But I, I feel of the opinion that I would find that easier to purchase as an investment because I don't like the guitar. <laughs> yeah, that's good but on the other what, hand do you like, see what i mean yeah but if you let's say take a crazy number you were about to invest 10 grand on a guitar yeah do you have a better feeling investing on a guitar that plays well and, and resonates well or on a guitar that is a case queen and you think like oh well i played squires that are much better than that no of course not however if i if i were to be in the position of spending 10 grand on a guitar to invest and I already had a few that I enjoyed playing. If I thought that I could keep that guitar at least in my family for 40, 50, 60 years, and I can I can safely invest that 10 grand for that time, I'd rather do it in that guitar than I would on many other things, such as a bank account or a savings account. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. But yeah, but my, my initial answer is no. I'd much rather have a much more playable, enjoyable guitar. So even when I do invest, I can, my heart's in the right place, you know? So I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's a great guitar and it's worth whatever you yeah. want to pay for it. But uh, um, yeah, I could be cold uh, and, and sell something that I thought was a, a hunk of junk, but it would mm -hmm. have to be much later. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right with the, um, it's probably, I want to say the biggest advice, <laughs> Um, from the podcast I, I can pick up on is that the 50s and 60s stuff is gone or yep. to mid 60s we're talking late 60s 70s uh, and that's still attainable by mere mortals such as us mm -hmm. um, there is a 1965 jazz master in Vienna for 5,000 euros <sighs> <laughs> Andy seriously considering it seriously consider well i don't have the money let's be let's be quite honest i don't have that kind of money to throw around yeah, yeah. but um as an investment if i could convince um the other person that lives here <laughs> you know that's I, I think it's good i think i think it's not going to go down in price as you said you know yeah, yeah that's right as you said right at the beginning yeah um any 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 uh, secret like or wild card guesses did you have up your sleeve? It's not really a wild card, but it is in this box. Ooh. It's pretty wild card in the terms of it's a pedal that is wild, but it is a pedal that I bought to invest, like the the Steel Panther ones. However, I have used it and I have taken it the box several times. It is a Korg Miku. Very nice. Um, cool story. I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's 
it's the Andertons pedal. You know, there's nothing you, you can't mention this pedal without mentioning Andertons and and what they did with it and had so much fun and enjoyed themselves. And that really, that video really put them on the map. They were already doing so well and, and creating creating great content, and then they did this. And that was, in my opinion, one of the most perfect guitar experience videos I've ever seen because it's so ridiculous. And if you don't know this pedal, um, you you select a certain phrase that you want the character to say, and then you play your guitar and it triggers that phrase. And of course, it's an effects pedal, so you can affect it with other effects. We'll put it in a clean amp, or and of course, it's digital and it's not that great a digital recreation of a voice. Um, so it sounds weird as hell. But when I bought this, uh, I bought Anderton's found more of them. So they, they sold everybody sold out and then somehow Anderton's found 200 more or something. So I jumped on it and I paid I think about 250 pounds for it. Okay. So you know, not a lot, but not a not a little. Um, and I've already been. I've, you see them on Reverb. I mean, it's probably four hundred right now. I'm gonna jump on there for a second and find out mm -hmm. because I'd like to know. <laughs> <laughs> have there, do you know? Have there ever been uh, reissues of that pedal, or was no. that like a one-off? It's a one-off. And even the guy, because I I'm, I talked to the guys at, at Korg. Uh, okay, the cheapest price is three hundred and nineteen. Okay. But even the guys uh -huh. at Korg have asked me when I'm doing other Korg stuff and other stuff like that, can I please include the Mika at the video? <laughs> um, create that create that kind of voodoo item or, or kind of yeah. something that the the brand stands for, you know? Oh, the Mika. Yeah, the Mika yeah. is very very iconic and stupid. Yeah. Um, so I would say it's also the kind of pedal that someone might have bought and thought, what the hell did I buy? <laughs> and then sells it off if they're not savvy with the internet sells it off cheap so if you see one get one because they're not going to be uh making any more yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We've got small dan again um we got some suggestions from the chat daniel to see some some suggestions uh of wild cards we've got um love pedal chula love pedal chula i don't know that one me neither Love pedal. <laughs> Sarang is asking, got tear tone, metal sewn into a Miku. <laughs> I as good as it gets. <laughs> I can do better than that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh watch the channel, that's all I'm saying. Alright. I've done I've done better not better, that's not fair. I've done an alternative version of that. It'll be coming nice. up on the on the channel soon. The Love Pedal Chula it's currently 229 euros. It's a boost overdrive. And I don't know why, who was it that said it? Um, I can't remember who, who recommended it, but um, I don't know why. I don't see what's special about it, which means that I need to go and buy one. <laughs> uh, Sarang, it was Sarang again. So Sarang, can you please explain why um, why are you saying the love pedal Chula and why I need to buy one? <laughs> um, I love the way Dan's video is constantly changing size. It's great. I'm not, I'm not worrying about it anymore. Uh, so anybody else got any recommendations in the chat? And then uh, Dan wanted to move on to what was he wanted to move on to? I've forgotten already. 
Uh, still, wild wildcard predictions. So we got like a longer, much longer list that it's getting more interesting now, I think. Because, you know, everyone's talking about late 60s, early 70s stuff. But uh, there, I think there are some hidden gems we should definitely talk about. Hit me. So, if I may, um, John Mayer is with PRS for two or three years now already. Mm-hmm. But he's he had a run with Fender and that was quite successful. Like he had that super expensive black black one guitar but that's not necessarily what 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 i would uh eye on um i'm more into the uh john mayer signature model like the regular ones with the big dipper pick- oh, oh yeah like big that. Dipper pickups that one yeah correct because they had something so special they had big dipper pickups which is kind of rare they had different uh knobs they came in a john mayer signature gig bag that was like army style with uh do you have a picture of that too like i think i gave you a all right. Yeah. Chill out. Yeah, there you go. It's a wor- they called it the World Tour Case. Stuff like that. So the whole package of this guitar is, is unique. And also the Fender Strat stands for a certain certain like span of his career that was highly successful. So I can totally see this guitar being one of the, well, let's say main strats, you know, in the next couple of years uh, when it comes to the, to the signature market, you know. Mm. You... Because Mayo is always a big topic, and especially this this Inca color was a limited run. So if you're lucky enough to get hold on uh, what's the color Inca this guitar, I think it's Inca gold if I'm not mistaken. But don't hold me to it. But that was a limited run. There there were other colors that were uh, not strictly limited, but also produced only for a period of time. But to me, the John Mayer Strat is definitely a good investment if if you find one in decent condition. Also, other other Strats from artists that switch brands. Um, you know, one of my uh, teenage hero bands was uh, Blink 182. Do you still remember the the Tom DeLonge um, signature Strat? Oh, the signature Strat. No, no, no not the, the signature. With, the, with uh, the one humbucker uh, at the bridge. The Seymour Duncan Invader in yeah, the, the invader. position. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah, I yeah, that... I um I had one. Really? Yeah. I... Which color? Surf green or Surf yellow? Surf green. Oh, that is that is the most desirable one. And I sold yeah. it. Slap, slap, slap. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, you know, back then I never would think of, of gear as an investment. I would never think of gear as a, as a thing, let alone an investment. So, you know, it was a, I have this, I want that. I think I swapped it. Uh, and obviously I don't even remember what I swapped it for. So it wasn't that important. And I definitely don't have that guitar anymore. So... Um, oh boy! Yeah, boy. sad times. <sighs> yeah. Also, with the with the passing of Eddie Van Halen, we got, currently see the renaissance of uh, Eddie Van Halen gear. And if mm. if we talk, for instance, the the Musicman Van Halen guitars, they are, they are like super rare items already for years. So this is not a wild card guess. But if we talk about uh, PV EVH Wolfgangs made in the USA, I think you can still find them at a very reasonable price. Sure. And that would be one of the let's say more uncommon guesses from my side that they might increase significantly in price. So if you have a, have a chance to buy one of these, especially in a rarer color, uh, that would definitely be a good investment. Yeah. And I might I might digress a little, but here's a, actually the Music Man Van Halen's, they, are, they were the two guitars that had a, a warped neck. I owned two like years ago. Not at the same time, but I owned a Sunburst one. I loved it, had a great tone, especially in the higher frets. But ultimately, the neck warped, and I was like, oh, well, bad luck. You know, it's a bird's eye maple neck, so they are probably a little bit more prone to warping. 
And then I was looking for a trans black because these guitars are very special. The Music Man trans black guitars over time, even if you do not expose it to sunlight, the black will fade into a greenish tone. And it's super sexy. You either have the flame maple or you've got the quilt maple mm. and it's got that trans black green shade to it. Lovely. And this guitar was also a rock monster. If you if you plugged it into a Marshall or a 5150, that was insane. But again, over time, the neck warped. And I reached out to Music Man in the States and they said, well, we've got our whole warehouse full of those necks, but we cannot send you a replacement neck even if you pay it because it says Van Halen on the headstock. And we cannot sell those anymore. So what do you do with these guitars if you collect them? <laughs> That's a sad, sad story. Would it be prudent to take the neck off? And do something with science? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, a luthier can totally like refurbish that and, and make it playable again. That's not that's not a problem at all. But then you're altering the original instrument. That's yeah. basically not what you're why you're investing in gear. And, and you know, I mean, they skyrocketed in value too. You know, the the black one was uh, a guitar that I found at a uh, mama papa music store in in the south of of uh, Germany. I think I bought it for 1k, 1.2k. I'm not sure. It's it's a long time ago, but it had such a thick layer of uh, of grease and, and, and dust on it. So, <laughs> but once I cleaned it, it was like a superb instrument. But again, after a couple of months, the neck warped. And, you know, I pledged guilty for keeping it on a wall hanger. So, um, yeah, that's not a good combination, especially with bird's eye maple necks that are not roasted. You've got to be careful how to store them. Yep. Sad, sad story. Oh. Well, it may be sad the first time. Now I'm I'm positively miserable. <laughs> I feel sorry. Well, Do you have any wildcard guesses for a gear that might skyrocket in value? Uh, my my initial tip was the John Mayer Strat, um, mainly because Strats hold their value, and I'm thinking of way in the future now. So we've already covered it, but that's that's my go-to. Also mm -hmm. the I think just generally it's the signature models uh, as a you know as I brought up Explorer Explorer the Explorer earlier um, anything signature that's limited edition or not even limited edition imagine I'm just thinking what about Polyphia's AZ what about Tim's uh, AZ Good guess. I mean, it definitely stands out. The yeah. reason I say so is because their music certainly appeals to uh, a younger uh, audience, as well as mm -hmm. you know, older. But but um, people that are of the age that are listening to their music may not be able to afford their AZ right now. Mm -hmm. Put them th 25 years in the future, where their parents are in a good job, a good well-paying job, Maybe they want to relive their youth, um, as I did with the Kurt Cobain Jagstang, mm -hmm. uh, the Fender Jagstang, which I bought. F I actually made a small profit on that, I think, because uh, I sold it again. It just, again, it was, <laughs> it, it, I had it. It wasn't doing anything for me, and it, it turns out the, 
uh, as a collector, the chase was more enjoyable than the uh, the actual result. So <laughs> I, I think something like, so I'm picking on that AZ from Tim particularly because I want to say something that is a signature guitar that is appealing to young people right now. Mm -hmm that may not be able to afford it. So I'm not talking like a 400, 500 euro guitar that could be affordable. I'm talking about something that's just slightly out of range. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Good point. The only the only reason why that might not be the case could be that it's a Asian made, like it's made in Indonesia. And usually, you know, the country of origin is quite a big factor when it comes to the value stability over time. So, absolutely. If you, if you, but if, for, for instance, if, if we take for instance the the TQM1 or the MM1, the Martin Miller or Tom Quay signature models, these are made in Japan and they are already like top notch in within the AZ range. So once these guitars should get discontinued at a certain point of time, they will be missed because mm. you know, for instance, the Miller was this or is the sole guitar that has a. Whoop! Hello, Ziri. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the Miller was is, or is still the sole guitar that has a mahogany body. So if you want, right. like AZ, so if you want a uh, kind of Les Paul approach, but yep. with the playability of an AZ, there's only the Miller. Plus, it's got a beautiful finish, and every every single piece is unique. So that will also be a wild card guess. But this is a very current model because it's still being produced. And when it comes to the value development, the um, period of production is quite significant. So if, if there was a guitar like the Gem 7V, for instance, that was produced for 20, 26 years, mm -hmm. 26 years-ish, uh, there are so many in the market. They might differ. You've had Ebony fretboard, you've got Rosewood fretboard, you've got the Low Pro Edge, you've got the original Edge. It's, uh, you know, the configuration changes over time, but the market is flooded. You've, you find them everywhere. You find them in the States, you find them in, in Europe, you find them in Asia. But here's the thing. If you are, for instance, in the market for a seven string, there's only one jam with a monkey grip. The rest was universal. So if you uh. would be interested in investing, for instance, in a jam, I would go for the 7v7 because that was the sole jam. Yeah, the sole jam that came out as a seven string. All the other seven string by signature guitars were universes. They had no monkey grip. They didn't have the you know the the tree of life inlay. Um, so that, for instance, would be a, a great guess and maybe a good investment item. And that's been off the market already quite some time. So uh, if you're looking for a seven-string Ibanez by signature, go for that guitar. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we could sit here and come up with some more, but I think we've really sort of, I can't say nailed, that would be a bit arrogant, but um, I think we've laid down <laughs> some, some ground rules of investing. You know, um, yeah. a question we haven't, that I, I'd like to pose to you is, Signature models such as the Lizzie Hale Explorer from Epiphone. Okay. There's the Gibson version, which is already expensive and already not rare, but desirable. Um, or maybe it's you know transcended into rare right now. But is an Epiphone level guitar that's a signature guitar going to be desirable at some point? Because Epiphone, let's say Squire as well, there's the Squire Venus, 
which was related design something created by Courtney Love of Kurt Cobain and Hole um, fame. They're now reaching double what they were originally. And I want one. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's a Squire. And also Squire recently reissued the Supersonic. An original Supersonic is now roughly double what it was. Because mm -hmm. I was going to say that it has to... I think we, we're we not really touching on the, the more budget brands, but even those, we're not talking about selling it for 3000 4000 some crazy amount, but we're talking about selling it for more than what you paid for it. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. It's, it's just something I wanted to bring up. I, I think not to not to overlook the cheaper guitars is what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there was, a, for instance, there was a Epiphone slash Les Paul, like the very first one that had the the um, the snake on the, I think, on the body. Yeah. Do you remember yeah, yeah, that? Yes. Like the smoke, the smoking snake. Yes. I think that that increased significantly in price too. That was a rather cheap guitar made made in China or made in Korea. I'm not sure. And uh, because of its rarity, and also because it was so so special. That was really kind of a standout instrument, and people were looking uh, looking for that, you know. Especially because you know all the other slash signature guitars that were kind of unique and not like standard production, they were even more, much more pricey. You mm. know, they were like 10k or 8k, like the Bolivian Bolivian Les Paul or you know all those kind of models. So there are there, occasionally there are some models, but. To me personally, when it comes to like the the stability and also the the increase and development of the value, I think a a certain quality level and also a specific country of origin is always um, a good indicator. And you know, made in Japan, made in USA, that's still a a sign for quality. You know, it's not a proof for quality. It's not you know sure that you will have a perfect yeah. instrument, but you know, it's, it's an also indi feeling. it's an indication. Yeah, I've... definitely. Yeah, I. I agree, but I also have to disagree because you know, it's, <laughs> I'd be. What I'm saying is, I'd be willing to take a chance because I think that when you buy an Epiphone, for example, or a Squire, it goes down in price immediately. So if you try and sell it the week later, you're going to lose at least a hundred bucks, mm -hmm. uh, even if it's mint. You know, as people try to put them up for. If it's uh, there's so many that I've played. Like some in the chat, people are bringing up Joe Bonamassa and somebody um, music therapy lads has. So has a Richie Faulkner flying V Epiphone, which is worth more than what he paid for it two years ago. I think mm -hmm. timing. I agree with you, Dan, on on choosing the more expensive items first. But timing with the lower priced instruments might be the key to making a profit. Maybe not double, but a profit. Mm -hmm. And also, people undersell those guitars all the time. So someone might sell a Joe Bonamassa Epiphone Les Paul thinking it's just a Les Paul Epiphone, you know? Mm -hmm. So people make mistakes and the ethics of that is questionable, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you can pick something yeah. up on there. I'll tell you what, yeah, my yeah. friend, we are reaching almost two and a half hours of podcasting and um, oh my we are burning through people's mobile phone batteries. So... <laughs> <laughs> Um, Shall we close with a couple of recommendations where people can go to check out for used yes, gears, please. at least in Europe? Yes, please. We'll go for you. Because Europe, yeah. there are a couple of good stores. Do you have any any uh, recommendations from your side? Um, yeah, uh, I've got, um, well, I don't know if it's a, an investment thing, but it's Guitar Point, which you probably know may even, even be on your list. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've been there. That's in Germany. Mindtal Germany. Guitarpoint.de. Okay. Yeah, Guitarpoint.de. The guys there are awesome. They really know their stuff, firstly. They only take on um, high-quality instruments. They're not just. It's not like a, a guitar center where they're buying used stuff and flogging it for, for profit. Um, mm-hmm. They are buying good stuff. They will buy refins. Um, but, of course, that, that affects the price, of course. Um, but they're mostly interested in as original as possible and sh- even shy away from the refins. So mm-hmm. I was there. I played a, I played the best jazz master I've ever played in my life, nearly one of the best guitars I've ever played in my life. It was 5000 I didn't have the money. I don't have the money. I know that that was a good investment because jazz masters can really vary, as all guitars can, but jazz masters, this was just the perfect one. Mm-hmm. But it would have been a collection, a collection, not an investment. I would have played that. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah, that's my point. Guitar point. <laughs> Guitar point. Okay. Um, another good dealer is Bigfoot Guitars, also a German dealer, quite new in the business. But they are like buying also used gear, and they are making sure that it's all very nicely set up and uh, everything. So that's a good address. I actually bought one guitar there, and the service was excellent. So good recommendation. Do you have anyone else? Uh, we have in the chat some people, including Sarang, has mentioned Sell My Gem. It's a website yep. for Ibanez Gems and Rare RGs. Uh, very good. Right. Um, I'm actually also going to recommend uh, things like Facebook Marketplace and your local classified whatever, you know, um, because you're probably really betting on people making mistakes there. Um so so people <laughs> listing something for less than it's worth and on that people with fat fingers um ebay listings <laughs> that are like Feneda or, or even reverb yeah. where it's it's not fender it's Feneda or gizbon uh where someone's yeah. mistyped it so if people are searching for a gibson they're not finding a gizbon and you can pick up something <laughs> there um <laughs> never happened for me but i have done it in the past and, and searched yeah. and it is it is out there yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. We just like we were sometimes making fun out of the the most hilarious uh, classified ads with with Ibanez content. So uh, I think a couple of days ago there was a Kranes, uh, Kranes acoustic guitar, like K R Anes. Ah, oh, they couldn't Kranes. read the, the the logo. The IB, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also funny. What I find funny is a seven ender. You see that all the time. For Fender guitars, seven ender seven, because because yeah. the F is is yeah <laughs> is mirrored. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Typos. Typos. Yeah. Typos. Go for typos. Um, what else would I recommend? Uh, befriending old people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Andy going dark. <laughs> no, people need friendship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Actually, there are a couple more dealers. Um, there's a Dutch guy called Remco. Um, he's got a site, RJV Guitars. Um, it's also a good address. I think compared to to his prices, he's a little bit pricier than others, but like he travels throughout whole Europe just to collect the best guitars. So uh, he always has some unique, unique items. And also, there's a, a German blues guitarist, a very good guitarist called Gregor Hilden, and he's got a website called Greg's Guitars. Mm-hmm. And I really like to purchase instruments from from good guitarists because because they usually can, you know, evaluate if an instrument is really good or not. So. I mean, it will reflect in price, that's for sure. But at least if they, you know, 
they promise you something and you test the instrument, then you can expect to get something in return for your investment. You know, and and we all investing in emotions basically. You know, we talked about making a profit uh, and making money with guitars, but I think the best profit you can have is to be happy and be satisfied and you know appreciative about making music. Isn't that right? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> still, still thinking about that jazz master. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually trying to make a point and come to a conclusion for this episode, but unfortunately, you missed it. I'm, so, I'm very sorry. I'm sorry. I, I was, I was, I got there because I was emotionally invested in that guitar. That was, you know, I was linking to what oh, yeah. you said. Um, oh, yeah. I want to say thanks, Dan, because I've learned stuff from you, and I know I would always come to you when I when I saw something certainly Ibanez related but also anything like what do you think of this as a friend and a person who knows what he's talking about and as a uh, as an investment guru um which um nah, not really uh, what I say is you know a lot more than I do and therefore you're my guru <laughs> <laughs> um never be the best musician in the room you know um so yeah uh thank you to the people in the chat and the people that have watched and listened live uh, i've really enjoyed myself um i love doing this podcast i know that we'll be back next week um dan would you like to announce our special guests for next week oh yeah it will be a female artist mm -hmm. that just currently released a new album together with a croatian guitarist we're not quite sure if we have both on the show, but at least her. And uh, it's a reoccurring guest. We had her on the show already. Damn, you're cryptic. Yeah, it's Gemma Jura and Alan Brentini <laughs> from Something on Eleven. Um, they're going to be joining us all, uh, all ways, um, you know, technically providing and stuff like that. And the world doesn't burn by next week. We'll be here with Jen, which I know Valeria will be very happy with because she runs the Gemma Jura <laughs> fan club in Chile. Um, Guitar Stories podcast on the Guitar Geek YouTube channel. I was going to say network then, above my station. Um, 8.30 next Tuesday, Dan. Yeah, and if any one of you wants to do us a favor, give us a five-star rating on iTunes because that will push the podcast uh, in the ratings and the rankings up so people it's more visible and people can see it and uh, yeah, we can get in touch with more people because this is basically what we love to communicate with you guys. So we do it for you. We don't do it for money or fame. We do it just for the community. So thanks for listening. Thanks, Andy, for your time. Always a pleasure. You do it for money? Okay, fair enough. No, 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 the, 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 the community. Yeah, sorry, I just had a... <laughs> um, I'd like to so ask, if, you've, if you're in the chat right now, please give a thumbs up on the video because of the same reasons Dan just mentioned for the audio podcast version and leave a comment uh, of the favorite thing that you think that might be worth something in the future in the comment section not just in the chat but in the comment section so we can get some more views on this video because you know the more views um the more times we can do this and i can justify the time to my family <laughs> <laughs> i love it dan uh i love you all thank you so much i will um press buttons and stop this uh we have an outro video and if you're brand new then um you know subscribe to the channel and smash that like button yeah have a geeky week, guys. Right. See Bye. you soon. Bye.